Welcome to Dawn of the Horror Cast and other genres. It's your host, Alex. And with me today are two guys that work for the historic Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. It's got a lot of history. It's most known for the movie The Blob from. All right, you guys are the horror experts. What year did that come out? The original Blob? 1958. 1958. That's what it's most known for. It's also made some appearances in other movies. If someone's watching The Blob in the movie, like in Greece, when I saw Greece at the Colonial Theater, they're watching The Blob and it shows the Colonial on the big screen at the drive-in. And I was like, this is, this is weird. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Colonial gets a lot of exposure. But anyway, um, if you guys want to introduce yourself, you got, tell us your names and what your role is at the Colonial Theater. Um, well, my name is Bob Trait, and I am the programming director at the Colonial Theater. Um, I've been in the position for about two years. I've been officially with the Colonial for three. I used to be the marketing director during COVID. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, but we didn't have a programming director at the time. So I kind of transitioned into that role uh, a little over a year into things starting to start to go back into normal. We started needing normal movies again. Um, but back in 2009, 
um, I believe it was 2009, I proposed, it was eight, 2008, I proposed to the programming director at the time, I said, you know, I come to town on a Friday night, um, the town used to celebrate First Fridays, you know, every first Friday of the month, they'd have like a street closure and a whole bit, and I said, there's no movie going on, so like once the kind of the activities are done, like around eight o'clock, everybody just leaves, and I said, how about a horror movie, um, you know, we really don't do horror movies in our repertory screenings and our repertory screenings at the time were mostly just classic movies, you know, the black and white classic Hollywood cinema, usually from the seventies down. And I proposed showing the thing blade runner. And I got some really weird looks. They're like, you know, the thing on a Sunday afternoon. And I was like, yeah. So then I pitched the idea of, well, let's do it at like 9 45 on a Friday night. We'll call it first Friday fright night. And I had about 30 titles. And after trying um, Night of the Living Dead, which is in the public domain, so it didn't cost us anything to show it. We got a DVD, put it in. We had 40 people show up. And from that, they thought, okay, well, maybe there's something here. Um, and here we are. It's, two, it's 2023. We, we celebrated our, our 15th anniversary. So that does say 2008. Uh, of doing Fright Night movies. We now, as we call it now, Fright Night, because it can bounce around. Um, sometimes it'll be the second Friday or we'll flip flop. We'll do a cult cinema movie first of the month and then we'll do the Fright Night movie later. If it ties to a theme, you know, like Alien Day or something of that nature. Um, but I also um, help program and organize Blobfest um, and a lot of other things. But I, I don't want to take up too much time because I'm going to let Chuck talk. And he well, loves Bob, to talk. And he loves an incredible in introduction to yourself. <laughs> uh, my name is Chuck Francisco. I'm um, I'm a volunteer. I'm a super volunteer at the Colonial Theater, um, and I've been uh, a film host at the theater since 2010. Um, I, I pitched a series of Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes, which were pretty popular, and that eventually became our cult cinema nights. So our monthly cult cinema thing spun out of that, um, which is wild when we're going to have MST3 Con as the Sunday for Blobfest in 2023, 13 years later. Um, I'm also Dash Daring for Blobfest fans, so uh, I'm your uh, favorite Blobfest reporter um, out of all of them. Does the Mystery Science Theater have the current hosts for Mystery Science Theater actually there at the theater and yeah, so, make, um, do a commentary? If you, if you don't know, if you've not been to the Colonial, you haven't uh, uh, been to one of our shows before, we started doing those Mystery Science Theater shows uh, in 2010. We did them for a bunch of years, and then it's, we sort of rolled wind, wound them down as Mystery Science Theater's Kickstarter happened, and they came back from Netflix, and then they came back again on their own streaming platform, the Gizmoplex. And um, throughout that time, we've actually had um, Joel Hodgson out of the theater a number of times for shows. Um, most famously several times in 2012, but he's been back for Blobfest a bunch of times. He's given us our Blobfest official handshake, our secret club handshake, which I hope will revive this year. Um, and so uh, we actually had their Kickstarter. We, the, our facility was the basis for their uh, Kickstarter backer party and the uh, premiere of the last episode of uh, season 14, which was wild to have those folks come on out. Um, at Blobfest this year, we'll have uh, three of the four hosts from the show. We'll have uh, Joel and Emily and uh, Jonah. Nice, nice. So 
who decides the movies that play especially for the friday fright nights it's like a magic eight ball we just drop things in and shake now i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well no, we that, actually you, should, you guys should do that actually <laughs> we um we meet we try to meet twice a year um and then try to lay out what we want to do um and like pick the different titles who's got ideas who's who has suggestions but then it also comes down to like we're competing against a lot of other you know uh factors so exhumed films puts on a lot of different horror shows in the area so we don't want to do another movie that i do a movie they've already done within like three or four months maybe even six months so we do kind of spend well they just did this one so let's you know let's wait another year or so um the drive-in uh, the Mahoning drive-in and we're friends with all these people, you know, we, we see what they do. So, you know, doing all three Ghostbuster movies in one day, isn't something, you know, that we should do knowing that they're going to do it. Uh, Bob so, actually just brought up a great point too, because we're in, um, I think an incredibly great place in this region for genre fans. Um, it wasn't always this way a decade ago. It wasn't uh, as friendly and great as it is, but we've got, great relationships with the Mahoning folks. Exhumed Films does uh, several of their shows at our at our theater now. Um, so I think it's in this great place where everyone just goes to all the places and all the crowds are just a giant, happy horror fan community. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, lot of, it's a lot of crossover uh, merchandise that we see at different events <laughs> between t-shirts and sweatshirts and ball caps. And then when we go to the drive-in and are hanging out, you know, we're instantly recognized and thanked and all those kind of things so it's it's a nice community to be a part of and and really just embrace it but as we pick the movies those factors are definitely something we deal with what haven't we done what people are asking for which we really What's do got listen. anniversaries coming up yeah like is it like the one year we did it was the we did a lot of the summer of 82 um, which I can't even remember if that was this year or the year before. I think it was the year before. So we did a lot of, we did Blade Runner, we did Basket Case. Um, it's just as many uh, as these movies, as we, uh, Halloween 3, as much of the summer of 82 as we could do, all the way up to The Thing, uh, like three days after Christmas. So we even did a Wednesday night screening as, you know, as he says, first goddamn week of winter. And we literally did it the first goddamn week of winter and showed The Thing and had 400 people show up three days after Christmas to watch the thing, which is not what you would think would happen, but it was such a fun show and it wasn't a first Friday. It was just, we just called it fright night and people turned up. So there's a lot of factors. It's also, what can we get? Like it, there's yeah. availability problems. The studios pull things. Most people don't understand that. And it's like, show this. And you're like, we can't because it's their hundredth <laughs> anniversary and they want to show it the weekend. They want to show it. So it's interesting, uh, Alex, because uh, the way that we've select movies has evolved over time. Um, and and it's it's cliche to say it was different before the pandemic, but it, but it was pretty different before the pandemic. Um, I think that Bob and I have both matured as, as people and, and film fans as these times times go by. It used to be early on. Um, it would be every other month somebody would come up to you and they would be like, show Evil Dead 2. And um, it used to make me like as a guy in my late 20s, it made me angry, like, dude, we showed that last year. Where were you? Which isn't a really, you know, that's a young, angry guy thing to think. That's not like a I've, I've come a long way to, to understand that this person just found out about us. It could be their first show or maybe they're brand new to horror and they've seen like one or two things. And that's one they've heard they've got to see. Um, it could be anything. But it's um, 
it, it just means they really like this movie, which I also really like. Um, so now it's a great jumping off point for like, okay, well, why do you like Evil Dead 2 so much? And oh man, yes, of course, when he grabs himself through the mirror, I love that too. Um, but I've, I've bumped into so many horror uh, folks where it's like a my way or the highway thing and they don't have room in their heart for all these other great movies or just accepting that uh, they might not like something that somebody else digs. It's weird sometimes. It's weird like that in the horror community. You get like the chill laid back people and then you got like the horror elitists and at the theater, I I see myself a mix of both. Like the people across the aisle from me went during Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which was amazing, by the way. It was a good film print. Uh, um, You know, you hear like some bickering across the aisle like, oh, Halloween 3 sucks because Michael Myers wasn't in it. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And those people are allowed to be wrong all they want. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, as long as as we agree that Halloween 3 is the greatest movie in without Tom Atkins' mustache of any Halloween film. Tom Atkins was pretty great in it. (laughs) He he definitely was a piece of shit in it, but he was great at the same time. <laughs> the um so really to answer your question it used to be a lot of like bringing tons and tons of ideas and then sort of whittling down themes or months or uh anniversaries coming up or things like that i think it's a lot more of it's a lot less like i want to get my movie shown what do i want to see and and more like oh okay cool like you're bringing up a bunch of movies that i would never have thought of i'm of a different generation than you like okay you know i can see when we showed um jennifer's body this year um i never would have thought to show jennifer's body and i didn't remember it very like um in a very positive light because it had terrible advertising and it didn't do well but it has a massive cult now and it it, the people that came for jennifer's body were not our normal audience it was a lot more women it was a lot more college-age women um in big groups who celebrate this movie and champion this movie and i got to sit in the back of the audience and, and get a new take on this film through their eyes, which is, for me, one of the coolest things. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've, noticed, I've noticed that, too, that certain movies will attract, like, a certain like a certain crowd. With Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, that movie has gained a real big cult following over the years, especially with, like, um, the LGBTQ crowd. And I, I saw quite a few... Uh, of same-sex couples in the audience and i'm like wow they they really do appreciate this movie for for like the theme of it you know personally for me i didn't even realize that it was until like four years ago i've just loved this movie (laughs) forever you know it's got that the great the pool (laughs) sequence to me is worth the entire price of admission alone the pool yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely um, my favorite sequel to that. I enjoyed seeing the crossover audience, Alex, the people who had been there for the previous movie, which was Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. So the people that stayed, that's why I asked that when I was doing the introduction. I wanted to see how many people it was, and I was I was impressed. Uh, was it was it a lot? Yeah, I did. I didn't know that it was a double feature feature until that day, actually. Well. Yeah, that just it just worked out that way. I forget what we did last year. We did the birdcage, and what did we follow it up with? Like they they weren't billed as a double feature, but it was the birdcage, 
and then something else. And we had a lot of people stay for both movies. And I cannot remember what it was, but it was very not what I expected. Like not not to have people just linger around for the next movie because it was clearly two very different types of films. Right. Yeah, but yeah. that happened to us before. Um, Alex, I can't remember the year, Bob, but we did um, a triple feature on a Saturday afternoon. We called it Bento Box of Schlock. Great. <laughs> and um, it was three movies. It was uh, Big Trouble in Little China, um, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster, and then Audition. An audition. <laughs> Holy shit, that now that's all over the place. And the people who came for audition, it was like, you know what you're getting into, right? And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just like, mm, okay. <laughs> there were there were some ladies in the uh, some some middle-aged to older um geriatric ladies in the balcony that Bob was particularly worried about. We totally underestimated them though. They were there for yeah. audition and they just stayed for the other movies were like a warm-up for them. So that oh, you, don't judge people, yeah. don't judge horror fans. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's that's interesting because we do try to warn people sometimes it's fun to say when you see the dad and the like eight-year-old walk in and you go you know you know right and they're like yeah he he's seen it before he's okay and then you're like oh my god he's like seen whatever it is before but then there are other times we've actually like look we're watching a clockwork orange <laughs> you know what you're getting into right and then people still get upset yeah and you're like we've warned you like this is not yeah. Uh, so I will tell you, uh, I, I only messed up this one time, Alex. But when I, whenever I introduce the film Gremlins, I, I make it a point to remind the parents in the audience that they need to earmuffs their kids during Phoebe Cates's monologue, because people don't remember that's in the movie. But she yeah. finishes that monologue by saying, and, and if your kids are listening right now, please just turn this, uh, mute this for a second. But she finishes the monologue with, and that's how I found out Santa Claus isn't real, and people bring four three two-year-olds to gremlins because they think of gremlins as cute and like muppets well how old were you, were you guys when you first saw that scene i don't know uh, i was probably gremlins came out in 84 so i was probably nine or ten so by then i had it figured out um, i was probably six yeah seven but nine or ten i had to see it on cable so i don't know how long yeah, I, I was pretty out. young when I saw it on cable too, and I remember that I remember that scene. But I was I was probably around nine nine years old. So yeah, all the but kids. It's the, the typical. Make sure you earmuff some morning and. Yeah, I never saw the movie as funny. I always saw the movie as scary. So you know, once I got a little bit older, I'm like, wait, this is really supposed to be funny because that that her whole monologue to me was dead serious. Like mm -hmm. that was serious, serious. I actually think it's out of uh, it. it it breaks the, the tone of the film. I don't think it fits. Yeah, no, it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. But <laughs> yeah. now we all watch it and laugh, which is really right. kind of sick and twisted. But, you know, especially when you know the next next movie has the uh, don't bring up uh, Lincoln's birthday. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just very self-aware. Yeah. Gremlins 2 is a masterpiece. I agree. I'm, I mean, I'm a Gremlins 1 fan personally, but Gremlins 2 is not bad. <laughs> It's just like uh, they, they occupy this huge gray territory in my life, Alex. If I flip through channels and it's on, I'm down for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those movies where you can watch Gremlins 2 anytime, but for Gremlins, I try to make sure I watch it around Christmas because first and foremost, it's a Christmas movie. Sure, you guys probably 
exclusively play it in December, right? Or unless, do you guys no, do? Not, not always. Christmas or July. We haven't. Um, you guys just, ever done a Christmas in July? No, we we really haven't because uh, Blobfest really does take up so much of oh, our right, time. Oh, right, yeah. And unlike the drive-in where they're not open at Christmas, our Christmas is, um, we now have the Christmas, I'm sorry, the Krampus Christmas Spectacular. You got right. it. Krampus Christmas. There it is, Christmas yes. Spectacular. So we do two horror movies there. Um, we're going to bring the thing back this year as uh, start that as an annual event after Christmas. Um, so we do do that. Like we do have our own holiday, you know, films. Plus, you know, there's always Edward Scissorhands. There's always Gremlins. There's always Die Hard. You know, Krampus besides itself. the tip. Yeah. Yeah. Besides the typical Christmas stuff that we do, we do a lot. Um, those movies just you show Die Hard and people just show up. You know, as long as, you, <laughs> oh, as, long yeah, as before Christmas, before Christmas, you show it after Christmas. We've done that in an audience. Eh. Now it's before Christmas. You have to show Die Hard. Yeah. The so. first time I saw White Christmas was 2021 at the Colonial. I never saw White Christmas before. Nice. Did I do the intro to that? I feel like I did the intro to that. You, you may have. Uh, you were I me. think I think you did. I, I like um, that movie is an incredible example of something I was just talking to somebody else about where when I was a kid, uh, I was I was shown that movie all of the time and I could not have cared less. But as an adult, that movie hits me so hard. I cry every time. I yeah, never saw great. that movie. My dad and my brother um, watched that movie over and over again, and I could not stand it. And then when I was doing introductions as a volunteer, uh, for the classic films, I just like, all right, I'll do it. And I came in and I sat down. I said, I'm going to give myself to the movie. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch it the way you're supposed to watch it. I I love that movie now. I cannot wait. Uh, I used to fight with the programming director at the time. I was like, are we doing my Christmas again? And she's like, no, we did it last year. And I was like, there was 125 people on a Sunday at 1.30. Why would we not do it again? Um, and the new executive director sees eye to eye with me on on that because she loves white christmas and she's like we got to do this movie every year it's so many great people come out and just really enjoy it and embrace the movie i mean it's schmaltzy at times but it's so much fun and has such a great message and i didn't think we'd talk about white christmas on a horror podcast yeah so. how about that we have a pretty yeah. good staple of um of well there's other genres as well so. the sorry, sorry chuck say that again Oh, uh, we have a, I was just saying we have a pretty good staple of annual showings, screenings, right? The the really big tentpole things that bring in the just people who come maybe two or three times a year. Jaws, um, Casablanca, White Christmas, like all those kind of movies. Yeah, when um, I also saw It's a Wonderful Life this past Christmas in the ah. theater was completely packed. Yeah, we were sold out. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what I was thinking of with Jimmy yeah. with Jimmy Stewart. That's what I was yeah. thinking of. Sorry, White Christmas is fine too. It's great yeah. on the big screen. Yeah, it it's a wonderful life. Is is probably I would say that's probably my favorite show of the year. It's the it's the biggest show I think that we do. It gets better and better every year. There's never a dry eye in the theater. Um, and it's just it sums up like that perfect moment of Christmas. And usually it's couple days before christmas so there's still enough christmas to celebrate and enjoy that um we're doing it again this year on christmas eve just because the way our schedule worked out and i i can't wait i can't i actually have a, a christmas party after that at my place every year that my wife and i do 
And it's usually we just sit around and talk about the movie that we've all seen 20, 30 so times. times. <laughs> you know, most of us have all seen it together now at least 10 times. Speaking so, of, um, one of the movies that we do all, every year when we when we were able to last year was an aberration is Jaws, which is coming up on July 1st. And um, it's I'll the be best there. example to me. Uh, for why people were like, I don't go to movies anymore, or I don't go to theaters. I try to tell them one, it's different at the Colonial because we don't, we actually police people with their phones out, like nobody can do that. But uh, when we show Jaws, I have seen Jaws ninety times. Bob, you've probably seen Jaws like four hundred times at this point. You know, frame for frame, when the shark comes out of the water. You know, frame for frame, when Ben Gardner's head shows up in the hole in the side of that boat. The audience <laughs> yeah. has seen this movie. They know these beats, but it doesn't stop them from all screaming together when Jaws comes out of the water. And if that's not an experience you want to have, I'm not sure we live on the same planet. Yeah. I dragged <laughs> I my have... parents to see it in 2022 or 2021. Last time we showed it. The last we didn't show it last year. So that'd be 2021. I dragged him to see, to show it, to see it. I said, you got to see it here, like live, like with everybody. And they had so much fun and they were, they were reminded of why the movie was great again. I mean, they knew it was a good movie, but it was a totally different experience seeing it that way. And we really, I love that. I love looking at the town when we do jaws. Cause everybody has a jaw shirt on or they've got shark stuff with them or they're wearing shark gear and you know, the whole bit. And everybody really gets into it and the normies get into it, which is what makes it even more fun. Um, so that we who love to do this kind of crazy thing can really embrace it. We've got this year, we've got, we're working on slushies with different things in them. And then we're also got yellow beer cups. So they look like the barrels. So we're going oh, everybody's beer into a yellow. I mean, it's a simple thing, but it's really going to add to that experience. We have an, a special event poster too, uh, done by Chuck. Um, so we I we will really be playing as Mayor Larry Vaughn as well again. Yes. So nice. we, we really. Oh, and we're going to have we have a theater organ. I don't know if you knew that, Alex. If you had seen it yet, I have. Yeah, we're we're actually going to play the theater organ thirty minutes before the show. All John Williams, uh, Brett Miller, who is who's comes in and plays special shows for us. He's like, "You're doing Jaws, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I already wrote you in. You're already coming." Um, so Brett, when Brett did that in 2021, I was standing at the merch table in uh, my Mary Larry Vaughn getup, taking photos with people, and I, um, I, I immediately, like mid sentence, my brain stopped and I stopped talking to these people. And I was lost and I couldn't figure out where my head was. And, and Bob, you know me well enough to know that if, if I don't finish the sentence and if I'm not talking, something broke. Um, Brett had started playing the Jurassic Park theme on the organ in the house. And my brain and subconscious heard it before I recognized it. And I was 11 years old again. And I just excused myself and stood in the back of the house and was a small child for a moment. Yeah, it's great when he plays. It's it's so much fun, and it. I wish we could do it like every show. Maybe yeah, I rem I remember. It was, yes, uh, last year when I saw Je or last year or the summer before last summer, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty one. Yeah, uh, I remember he was playing all the John Williams songs, and John Williams is probably my favorite movie composer. So yeah, I'm glad that he's coming back. Do you to... have a favorite soundtrack, Alex? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, John Williams, it would be either Jaws or E.T. Ooh, okay. nice. Yeah. Was all, a good all together, my favorite movie score. Is, I mean, it's pretty like basic, but I would I would say 
my favorite score of all time is the original Halloween score. Mm. Good one, you can't go wrong with John Carpenter. All of them are good. Even when the yeah. movie's bad, the score's good. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love Prince of Darkness. I love mm-hmm. Halloween 3, The Fog. Oh, my God. Those scores are just amazing. Just listen to those. When fall Escape kicks in. New York. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just watched that again the other night for no reason. Just I'm watching that. And just, the <laughs> score is so good. But I'm sitting there watching the the special effects. like, And you can tell how he just pulled James Cameron's. Well, James Cameron's in there. But Roger Corman's people and made this movie and it's just like it's so simple and yet you like you're totally brainwashed that it's of this cityscape and he's like flying in oh and they go God. to the screen the i found out that that was like like foam black foam with like yeah. neon tape on it i think i lost my mind yeah you're like that's so simple they don't make movies like that anymore like they yeah, found so, a cheap way to do it it's such a great movie to watch i mean like visually it just looks great it's incredible yeah, exactly. But going going back to what you were saying, uh, Bob, about with uh, the nor with like the quote unquote normies going to jazz, I-, I assume that you mean like people that aren't like your usual like film buffs or people that ha- haven't seen jazz before. And I was gonna say that the last time I saw jazz in the Colonial Theater. You, what you guys were asking who's never seen jaws before and there were some people that raised their hands in the the audience especially like this one kid that was sitting like in that like across the aisle from me so i was making sure to watch him like during the ben gardner scene oh yeah like, yeah i just want because like i i've seen the ben gardner scene well i've seen jaws maybe a hundred times Ever since I was a little kid, and still to this day, especially in the movie theater, when when Ben Gardner's head pops up under his boat, still still scares me. Yeah, yeah, that's oh. it's that, there's that some sharp there, music. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to drag my parents because I really just wanted to be right next to my mother and just and like I know the beats. It's like watching Halloween. I know the beats from the music how much time I have just to watch her. And boy, did she jump like she jumped, jumped. And I just, and everybody laughs afterwards because we all know somebody close by or we're laughing at somebody else who's, who did it. And we, we like to ask, is it anybody's first time? Cause one, we won't say certain things on stage and other times it's just neat to see how many people there for the first time are going to watch a movie the way you're supposed to watch it. And what we're really taking it up another notch this year on the first is we're showing it on 35 millimeter. So there's going to be a lot of people first time they're going to see it the way you were supposed to see it when it came out. And that's, am, that's really cool. I, I am so excited because I've seen plenty of movies on 35 millimeter at the theater. I've seen Jaws several times at the colonial, but I've never seen Jaws on 35 millimeter. I know they played it. Play it a lot at the Mahoming drive uh, at the Mahoning drive-in on 35 millimeter. I've never seen it on 35 millimeter, and Jaws is basically my favorite movie. So I'm gonna be an excited little kid when I when I show up. It's 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 just the way to see it, and you never know too. It could break right in the middle of the movie. And I, I have a piece of it. I mean, 
It could. <laughs> uh, I have a right behind me, three feet behind me on a shelf. I have a, a a foot and a half long piece of Jaws. It's the sequence where they're on the boat ferry trying to convince them to change the the report. Uh, it broke uh, ten years ago. I don't even know when we were showing it. Um, it was a nighttime show, and the whole audience went dark. <laughs> oh, yeah, geez. it was. It's it's interesting when that happens. I mean, and we sometimes we try to tell people. Especially a, a show that has more normal people in it than normies to say, hey, this is special. What you're seeing is we're seeing a, a, like a physical thing. We're not seeing, you know, ones and zeros pumped through a big thing. We're actually somebody's up there driving the, the car, getting us to where we're going. He's not watching the movie. He's making sure the reels and everything are going through. And at that point, you know, if something happens, that's it. This, this is the machine. It's it, it's a physical thing that we're doing. We're, we try to spotlight that very often. No, it doesn't. We're trying to spotlight that more often. We're actually we thank our projectionists, who whoever it is that night. Um, we even have a video reel that plays beforehand to let everybody know, hey, you're actually watching it on film. Um, so we did have we did show something recently on a Saturday or Sunday. I'm sorry, a Sunday on a Saturday we showed the Dark Crystal on 35 millimeter, and oh, there, right. were, there were little kids there who had never seen it before, and you know you were seeing it on film like this is on film and our special guest host uh, from mystery science theater 3000 uh, matt mcginnis really highlighted that that we're watching a 40 year old movie print this isn't a brand new blu-ray dcp so we're going to see scratches and nicks and every other performance like of this things, movie actually what? <laughs> part of the I charm like the scratches the, the character yeah it's, uh, i like when my film is more like robert davi than some smooth face actor yeah and it's it was great. It was it's a lot of fun. And the kids, we, we're getting more people asking the question, why film? Why that you know, why are you guys doing this? Um, and you know, one day we're not gonna be able to do it anymore. Like time will catch our machines. Um, they're not really making the machines anymore. We're you know, we're finding trying to find parts, gorilla parts. You know, one day it's just not gonna be possible. That's so, why to me, in my mind, every show matters. If I if I'm if I'm not sick and I can stand up. I try to make every show. Um, uh, Alex, I, you know, something that coming sort of out of COVID or a little moving along from where we were, um, I, every show feels special to me. When I see my friends, like I really still hug them a lot. Like I have, I'm just seeing them for the first time. When the Colonial really was a big beacon for me, the, the big first show back um, when we were still masking and when uh, everyone had to be vaccinated to come in was um, the fog and creep show. And we did creep show first, which was a really wise decision on Bob's part because um, creep show has five title cards and five end credits. And so we had all just been sitting in our houses for a long time, just blindly watching movies without moving at all. And it gave everyone the, the practice over the course of just creep show of cheering when the title card comes up and clapping when the end comes up, they had five chances to do that. And uh, yeah. So by the time the fog came around, as soon as the title card comes up, like, woohoo, everybody was ready to go. <laughs> I vaguely remember that. I was, at, I was at that show. Oh, you found a and... seat. <laughs> we can only sell 250 seats. And it was like, it was like sharks in the water trying to, every time somebody got up, somebody moved in to grab the seat real quick. My, yeah, that's why I, that's why I didn't stand up at all. Yeah, <laughs> you, you couldn't. You couldn't, man. That that was man, people wanted that show. And that was that was that was the first big fright night show we had. We had people asking, Are you guys coming back? And we said, Yeah, it's just a matter of time. And 
but it's been I, this wonderful thing, man, where you see more and more people um, who are new. You see more and more young people um, and they have different preferences. And but they're but they come out because they want to they've heard about this thing, this this old movie from the 80s that they want to see. <laughs> and so they come on out, but then they come out for other things. Uh, they'll come out for weird things that you get them to try. Yeah. Um, that's my favorite part about showing these movies. It's not showing. um the exorcist again um that's fine those are great movies that's why they're classics but it's getting people to come see how sue and seeing their faces when the movie's over um yeah. it's it's getting people to sit through burial ground um the all three times we've shown it i i actually get up at uh key points and i sit on the little steps to get up onto the stage and just watch the audience because i know what's coming and most of them have no idea and yeah. that's delightful yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I love doing the the goofy trailer of the one that we know needs the help, like the car or Hatsu, and then to watch the audience or to listen to the audience grow in appreciation from week to week. Like, oh yeah, I'm coming to see that. Like, wait, that's a real movie? Like, that's my favorite one. It's usually from somebody in the back who's a little snarky and then you hear the person next to them, oh, we're coming to see that. <laughs> you know, and it's, 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 I can't wait. We're going to do house uh, Hatsu in 1977 uh, the Sunday before Halloween and I really can't wait to start plugging that trailer in it may even be I have to watch the movie again to be sure because Blobfest is very family friendly but it's definitely going to be in the 88 uh, screening of the Blob that we have on Saturday night because that movie is just it's so bonkers and so much fun and as Chuck says you know you, you get up and you watch the audience because you know what's coming I love watching people just lose all sense of reality when Hatsu is playing because you just want to watch him. The first time I, my wife watched it, I have a picture of her. She's literally curled up in a ball next to the couch going, what did I just see? <laughs> and I said, I told you it's amazing. And that was the Criterion Blu-ray. So to actually show it on film again and again, as we've done now, this will be our third time, I think, showing it on film. I think so. it's it's amazing it's so weird i wish it's... i had the poster to show you for when we did it in 2020 when we did it in 2020 matt mcginnis of mystery science theater did the poster and it's incredible uh, but it's at my office this yeah. is a japanese film right yeah oh yeah you definitely pencil yourself in october 29th i think it is or yeah it's october 29th i believe and hatsu 1977 at the Colonial Theater. It's like seven o'clock. It's a Sunday. We're putting it in after our theater organ show, and I, I'm like, we're we're gonna milk October for as much as we can. So we have packed like every weekend with something crazy, and it's that's probably the the well that will be the last horror show that we show on Sunday because we have uh, Halloween falls on a Tuesday, I believe. So uh, October's the best, man, because you get all these people who come in and they they really want to be scared and they want to juice that that spooky lemon and they do they come in all month. I just wish they would. Uh, some of them do. I wish that some of them keep coming back. And that's some of the new faces we've been seeing. The ones who are uh, they, they they ripen during October and we harvest them the rest of the year for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, so a lot of I would imagine a lot of people that you just see around Halloween there. They're sort of like the horror tourists, you know. <laughs> they they want to get a want to get a little spooky, and that's and they're in the mood for Halloween. But then after Halloween, they just kind of uh, fall off again. Some people are like that. That's, 
That's were you uh, were you uh, at some of the shows in Al- uh, in October, Alex? Uh, Bob outdid himself last year. Um, try. I'm trying to think. I must have. Uh, the Nosferatu um, show, the hundred year anniversary. Uh, that was this year, wasn't it? That wasn't last October, was it? Yeah, that was last October. It was okay. Um, we were turning people away at the door. We sold over in five five hundred and ninety tickets. Um, for a, a silent film that's 100 years old with pipe organ accompaniment and we were turning people away oh that's insane yeah, <laughs> yeah. i was gonna i was gonna ask you guys what you guys think the biggest your biggest turnout is what what was it nosferatu where you're um, just turning people away left and o- right october last year was the best october i was told by the marketing director we've ever had we had five sellouts one of them was a concert. So Rufus Wainwright sold out. But for October, we had more patrons than any other month uh, in, in, in a very, very long time. But we sold out Rocky Horror Picture Show, which was, you know, kind of assumed. We had the 24-hour horathon. We sold that out. But to sell out Nosferatu, that was that was unexpected. Like, I had people upset. And I was sitting in the box office because I gave up my seat so someone else could sit in there. Yeah. And... uh to turn people away for a hundred year old German expressionist film. That's, that's something like we really, really, um, you know, it, we, we struck a nerve. Was it the hundredth anniversary? Was it people just wanted to get out? Was it the fact that it was the movie with a live accompaniment? We're still questioning like why that worked. Um, but that was, that was the most unexpected uh sellout of the year um you know we did a we did a horror premiere of hayride to hell which wow we sold a lot yeah you were there great we sold a lot of tickets for that i'm still waiting for that to come out on blu-ray i had a fun time well it's it it, we you know it that was there was some surreal moments when kane hodder and i are talking about working at a hayride and we both love that as one of our favorite jobs of all time and you're just like, wait, what is going on now? Who am I talking to on stage? Um, and just nonchalantly, we're talking about hayrides. It was it was such a great October. And I, I stare at the poster that we have for all of October. And I'm like, how can I top that? And it's it's just really, really difficult, um, you know, to try to figure out exactly what worked, why it was fun. Um, look at you here it is. i have a giant version of that signed by all of the cast members for the theater and we've yet to frame it and put it up because we just haven't we've been busy since then yeah i, I haven't afraid of it yet obviously that alex you get a uh, get a peek of just a wall of colonial posters oh wow so <laughs> a, a lot of stuff Minor and my most of mine are in the office or in the you know they're in storage or something i just don't have the space for it but yeah, I, that that was a big surprise, and selling out "It's a Wonderful Life" I think was the most uh, that was the most holiday gratifying one we've ever had uh, for me. Yeah. And it was just great to just all of a sudden go, "We're sold out," and you're like, "What? We're sold out of the Jimmy Stewart movie?" Like, and it, it had been a while, so it, it felt like things were a little bit more back to normal. Um, and- I do think that um, people in the region are getting to understand that like the complaints you hear about movie theaters now are about multiplexes. They're about like people going to Regal and other people using their phones the whole time. Cause that's what they got used to during COVID in front of their TV. Like that's not the, we still have the classic movie culture. Like of you're going to, you're here to watch this movie. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, that's why I like going to the colonial. I like going to the colonial because people actually, you know, 
watch the movie and are not like making stupid remarks or just like talking about something that has absolutely nothing to do with the movie or playing on their phone and stuff like well which i feel bad for them it's an addiction it's a it's a chemical yeah. brain addiction i get it but well, we've we've said and alex uh, chuck's been very good about saying you know reminding people it's a 120 year old movie theater like you're sitting in a piece of cinematic history and you know i like to remind people to just hey you put your phone away. You bought a ticket. You came here on purpose and you paid to sit down. You just got a vacation from everything else that's going on outside. Give yourself over to the movie. Turn off and just watch the movie and enjoy yourself. Because, I mean, that's why you came initially. Now, if you were drugged there and you're pissed off or whatever. Just go you get know, a rum slushy. You'll feel better. Exactly. Yeah, it just enjoy, enjoy the fact that, you know what? I can just focus on this and nothing else. And I had a, I had a, we did a screening of Gaslight. Um, last October, the original uh, classic with... Um, Which is Ingrid, phenomenal if you haven't seen it. Yeah, with Ingrid Bergman. And it, 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 she was great, and it's a great movie. But the the woman who put it on from the Chester County um, uh, like Domestic Violence Abuse Center, I'm sure I'm messing that up. But she said, she told me afterwards, she said, the Colonial was my safe place to come and just get away from the world. And I embraced your horror movies that you guys showed that you, this was my chance to not be me, not to be anybody else, but just a patron and sit down and watch these horror movies where a lot of times the, the final girl is the one who, you know, survives and she gets through this. And she told me, she said, this was something that I just I really appreciate about your theater and what you guys did for me. And it just blew me away. And I'm like, you know, I thought we were just entertaining people. I didn't think we were giving them, a safe place or a place that they could help reset their lives. But sometimes that's the power of movies and that's what movies can do. And that's why we always try to make people be mindful and respectful of everyone else around them, the place they're sitting in. And, you know, we love movies. We want you to love movies the way we love movies. And it's not a hard thing to do. We have, we show really good stuff and, you know, we just don't throw something up there. There's some thought that went behind it. There's a lot of like, why this movie of all things and what's special about it the nightmare on elm street part two we picked it as our second pride movie uh our first horror movie of the season to show because of the star you know and and the effect that that movie had on his life and the overtones that are in the film and that's why we wanted to do it i mean it wasn't just we haven't done nightmare on elm street part two let's put it here no <laughs> we put it in pride month for a reason you know, um, it's nice when you can have those movies throughout the year, but this one is that was there for a reason, for a purpose. Um, yeah. So we we try to do that, and I'm lucky that I have a group of volunteers, Chuck, being the captain, who really does does help me get through a lot of this. Because there, I'm not. I I love telling people who don't know this. I'm not a horror person. I was raised on sci-fi and classic John Ford you know, Michael Curtiz, uh, films as I embraced horror later down the road. So I'm, I'm sort of the, still kind of the newbie in it though. I've been in this since 2009 and I've really learned a lot. I've learned more about the audience and what they appreciate and what they want to see than uh, and then in knowing why those movies are important to them. I mean, some of the movies you compare Burial Ground to Casablanca, you can't do it. You know, it's a totally. <laughs> but if you put where's Burial Ground fall, if Halloween is the pinnacle of horror, Evil Dead 2 is up there 
But where does burial ground fall? It's really far down. We just love how schlocky it is. Exactly. And <laughs> sometimes those movies are great as I need just to escape and just have fun and be around a whole group of people who pretty much know what's coming. And, and, and you know, for that, that random Saturday in August that we do that Splatterfest screening and burial ground is in there. It's it's the best thing. It is Casablanca for that for that one moment. It is Casablanca. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm Gosh. I'm definitely bummed that I missed Burial Ground because I wasn't able to attend the year that it was that it was playing. It'll always but, come back. It, it, yeah, yeah I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for it. Away. I'm waiting for it. You know what we could do, Bob? We could just do like a super clip of it that goes and plays in one of the one of the breaks. I've, I have Chuck recorded the audience with just a focus on Which, the camera. By the way, YouTube always pulls down when I post it. Yeah, and I, I so want to just make like a little trailer spot for Splatterfest. You're not going to see Burial Ground, but this is the experience of seeing Burial Ground at Splatterfest. And you see that, you hear that, oh, oh, no. There's actually, you can you can hear um in, in the clip I've got, you can hear this two or three, this cluster of three, three or so women, and you can hear them near the back of the audience start to go, "Oh, but he's not gonna! Oh no! Oh no, he's not gonna! I can't! No, I can't do this! I can't play! It stop!" <laughs> I would just like to see people that have never seen it before watch that movie, and I want to see how they react to the first time they see that grown man play as the little kid. That's right, Peter Park. <laughs> I bet it belongs to the professor. Well, he did find it on our property, darling. After all, scientists should be above. Mama. Yes, darling, what is it? Mother, this cloth smells of death. But that's, that's what, that's, that's the not sitting at home watching it for the millionth time by yourself. That's the whole point. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what we've such gotten an interesting to. Interesting thing, right? Because uh, I come at this from the point of view of a, of a, horror fan like i stayed up too late watching these things at eight years old on cable television and usa up all night and joe bob briggs and and mystery science theater were my education in film and that's where i started though but um working at the for the colonial theater and introducing films um especially ones outside of my wheelhouse my 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 cinema my sense of cinematography of um cinema has just grown and grown and grown and grown into directions I never would have expected it to go, um, where I've got a pretty sizable knowledge of 1940s melodramas for some reason and 1950s, you know, um, science war movies. Like, why would I have these? But um, I just think it's interesting how if you sort of just let, if, even as a fan, if you sort of just go with it and say, like, I don't have anything to do this Friday night. I've never heard of this movie. I'm just going to go because these people try to put on interesting movies. It, you just grow as a person rather than just Netflix gridlocking where you just flip through streaming options until it's too late to start a movie anyway. Right. <laughs> Turn something off for 20 minutes and then say, I'm not feeling this and then going back and just getting lost in that rabbit hole. And all of a sudden you're asleep, and then you got to go to work again. That sucks. Yep. Yeah, and come absolutely. see a movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get like watch movies for the first time through going to the theater. Like, I, I've never seen my my one of my best friends. He loves Ed Wood, and um, <laughs> I've never I've never seen Ed Wood because when oh. I was a little kid, I would see the preview. I'd be like. 
or the trailer for the movie on like the pay-per-view channel or whatever and, and i'm just i'm like this is black and white and it's made in the 90s what is this i don't want to watch this it's uh... <laughs> and, but but like seeing the trailer for it on friday night at the theater i'm never paid any attention to this movie my friend swears by this movie but when seeing the trailer for the first time on friday night i'm like i i think i'm gonna go to the theater and check this one out because it looks like a great time alex you're gonna have a good time with that one i have a lot of uh posters of what we've done at the theater um in my office but i have uh two posters that one is star wars it's the one where luke's doing the whole thing the vader helmet behind him and then uh, I have another one I rotate, but the current one that's permanent is the Ed Wood original theatrical poster. It's folded like it's a folded one. It wasn't rolled in a tube or anything. I absolutely love that movie. I have been dying to show it forever at the theater. And uh, we got close once. The programming director at the time was like, yeah, we're going to get it. And then no. And then we found a sponsor who wanted to sponsor it. And she still said, no, 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 not going to show it. And it, I think it was in her mind, she didn't know where it fit. Is it, is it historical, like, you know, a comedy about this, this director? Is it a cult movie? She didn't really know where, where it would fit. And I just got to a point where I'm like, you know what? It was nominated and won Best Supporting Actor. It's a classic. And it's, oh, it's almost 30 years old now. So this is a movie that really should be seen on a Sunday afternoon in our movie house. And, and that's where you're talking it about the, the perils of sort of getting your, getting stuck in over labeling. Yeah. Right. Instead of rather just like, let's show this movie because it has value. Um, yeah. Are you a, are you an Ed Wood, right? Like an Edward movies of Ed Wood. Fan? I, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a stranger to Ed Wood. So okay. the, the ones that the only ones I've seen, but they've definitely stuck in my mind are plan nine from outer space and Glenn or Glenda. And Glenn or Glenda, yeah, yeah, Glenn or Glenda, that was an experience watching that one. I have such um, like like Edward is is not he's not good at execution. He's got great ideas, he's got incredible enthusiasm, but his execution was just bad. But the thing about Glenn or Glenda for me that's fascinating from a thinking from a thought point of view is he like this man was struggling with this this. Um, headspace that was uh, decades from being acceptable and rather than hide that he tried to make a film on an on no budget at all to try to explain himself and what he was going through and and we think of it as hokey because it's badly made but there's some genuine passion and it meant something to him and i i find that fascinating even when the movie's terrible i'm always there to like i'm there for that i always want to see the person who really wants to make this idea happen even if they fail at it because it's much more interesting than here's the seventh transformers movie there's 52 product placements in the last hour alone like oh yeah yeah i'm yeah. thrilled we're, we're showing it on a sunday i've had so many people so i'm, I'm glad you brought it up to alex that have said I, I can't believe you're showing ed wood like this is going to be great like they're all like super excited i mean i for me a slam dunk would be 200 people show up for ed wood on a sunday afternoon in July uh, of all things, you know, we originally, I wanted to run it on his birthday, which is October 10th. I wanted to run that and Dracula. Um, I love that. You know, when Edward's birthday is. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, because I had this whole plan. We were gonna have a birthday cake. It was gonna be the you know the Tor Johnson tombstone. <laughs> I really wanted to do it, and then we couldn't do it. We couldn't show it because it's a Disney movie. Most people don't know that Ed Wood is a Disney movie. It was released because like... because Disney now owns the company no. that. It no. was all. It was always a always Disney a movie. Disney movie. It was Tim Burton had a deal with Disney. If he did this or that or whatever, he had he got his own movie. He went and made Ed Wood. That's insane. That's I did not know that. Insane, and it's it says at the beginning Touchstone Pictures, and that's why I wear a Touchstone um, home video shirt uh, when I'm at the theater. At times, nobody understands what I'm wearing is actually a Disney, you know, home video product label. Um, I believe that Nightmare Before Christmas was a Touchstone release. It was not what we know it as now. Walt Disney presents, you know, it's no, it was Touchstone (laughs) Pictures. Um, Because nobody knew what to make of Tim Burton at the time. And then here he goes and he wins, you know, he get all kinds of nominations for everything. And then Martin Landau walks away with Best Supporting Actor. And I think Rick Baker won Best Makeup. You're going to you're going to absolutely love Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi in this movie. (laughs) And it's and Alex, I'll tell you this. It's not scripture. It's it's not 100 percent accurate. Like there is. You know, it, it's a it's a two hour movie. They do take some liberties with some actual events that happens. But as as much as I know the truth after watching this movie for years now, and I didn't watch it until probably like two thousand and like four or something. I like put it on one day and I sat through the whole thing and I went, I never liked this when I first saw it, and now I'm connecting to it on every level. And I've been a filmmaker. I've I've worked on films. I've made movies. And maybe that was enough for me to understand what Ed Wood was going through, what he wanted to do. And I absolutely love that movie. Like I used to, it was my feel good movie, which sounds weird of all things. I got asked during the pandemic on an interview, what are your three favorite pandemic movies right now? And I'm like, Ed Wood, Saturday Night Fever and Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. And the guy was like blown away. He's like, those are your, I'm like, because out of all of that at the end, everything the main characters go through there's still that glimmer of hope that everything is going to be better and be okay mm-hmm. and you know for ed wood it, it didn't really work out that well but the end of the movie ends on a positive high note you know we see we talk about that though right we talk about that all the time how like this guy is the worst filmmaker of all time but we are still talking about him all of the time so he may have failed to become financially successful but at, in the annals of you're remembered we all know who Ed Wood is. Yeah. And yeah. people still watch his stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, well, the people are doing what he wanted, even though like he was probably like the, I would imagine him being like, maybe like the original, like, would you consider Ed Wood like the original B rate movie director or? Oh, no, there were some, there were a whole bunch of guys before him. Um, Bert I Gordon comes to mind. Um, uh oh i'm blanking on his name right francis coleman um were like they were like b movie machines they would just grind out um films to fill out bills uh in the 40s and 50s um edwards probably there are there <laughs> the thing is is that what normal people who just go to the cinema and catch whatever the nor- the, the biggest release is once every couple months what they think of as bad movies like there's so many sub basements and catacombs below those bad movies that are so much worse, skin peelingly worse. Um, like uh, 
Christian propaganda ones that masquerade as horror. There's a whole bunch of those on Amazon where you're like watching them and about five minutes in, you're, it starts to preach at you. And you're like, whoop, wait, wait, my bad. I didn't mean to start watching that. Um, and then you've got like the ones that are based on the sci-fi Roger Corman versus mashup things like the Anaconda, Miranda. Yeah, Sharktopus. Like, so many of those. There's hundreds of those now. Crocosaurus. Um, yeah. So like Ed Wood's movies are bad, but they're watchable. Um, there are, man, there's so yeah, many. There's a lot. Movies. There's a lot worse out there. There's. A lot worse, and you'll you know what? After you watch Ed Wood, Alex, I do recommend going watching Bride of the Atom or Bride of the Monster because it's the one that we see the most of of his struggle of him trying to make the movie his second picture. Um, you get a better appreciation for it. You see more of his friends at the time are involved in that one, and then they all kind of like the third act of the film is Plan Nine. So then you there's really also get... a um, Mystery Science Theater episode, an old Mystery Science Theater episode of Bride of the Monster. If you want a little more uh, sugar to go with your medicine when watching that, yeah. um, that one's also great because you have um, Bella Lugosi gives an impassioned speech in that film. And the speech has been um, and uh, interpreted as being spoken directly to his home country, um, who he was like, they, they didn't really treat him very well. And um, he had been slandered by the country and had come to America and once he took off big with Dracula, they they tried to come like crawling back to get him to come back. And so <laughs> of course, uh, he, so part of that he was drawing from that for the speech to like slander them for having cast him off in real life. So, right. so Bella Lugosi seems like he was a Ed Wood regular, it seemed, because he was in. Yeah, he was also in Glen or Glenda, and that's basically the only thing I really. Remember from Glenn or Glenda was Bella Lugosi with like a story oh, must be told. You're you're gonna enjoy this movie, man. I'm telling you, you're gonna yeah. be like, oh, what? Like if, if any of it is true, like if just little bits and pieces of it are true, I don't think you'll really care because you'll you'll just enjoy what they made. Like and and, and I recommend um, post post the film, alternate back and forth. Do a uh, watch of an Ed Wood movie you haven't seen, then watch a Bella Lugosi movie you haven't seen. Um, I don't know how deep you are in the Bella Lugosi catalog, but there is some good stuff out there. Oh, yeah, like sure. like if you do a lot of uh, the Black Cat. Oh, the Black um, Cat's the best. Oh, this it's some of the some of the non they're universals, but they're not rolled into the monster ones. It's some the, of the right. early the first stuff set that came out. Um, that has the Raven, which is not the not the Poe one. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like a, it's a completely separate story, really. Um, there's a, there's a, Invisible Ray, um, uh, two of the Frankenstein movies where he plays Iago. Yeah, that's um, the was that Son of Ghost, Frankenstein Ghost and, and Son. Yeah, and we're gonna show Son of Frankenstein the first Sunday in October this year. Nice, oh, which really? is yeah. it's the longest Universal movie too. It's it's uh, I don't think it gets enough love. Um, I'm, I'm glad we're bringing it and screening it because I think it's, it's Lugosi's finest performance. Um, he's just fantastic in the movie. He steals the movie and the director at the time just kept giving him more and more scenes because he needed to give him more work because he wanted to give him more money. And it was the only way they could keep, he was supposed to be dead and gone after the first couple scenes. And they just kept filming more stuff with him in it. And the movie is fantastic. It doesn't feel like, well, we're putting him in another scene or putting him in another scene. No, it's a full character. Everything is really fleshed out. It's a fantastic film. And look, 
Lugosi steals the movie completely from Karloff and Basil Rathbone. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, so too, um, uh, Mel Brooks created Young Frankenstein as a direct sequel to yeah. Son of Frankenstein. So you can watch uh, Son of Frankenstein, immediately watch Young Frankenstein, and you can see all the parallels, and it's so mm. cool. So, yeah. so in a way, Young Frankenstein is a sequel to Son of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It fall, It totally falls. I mean, even the the machinery, the props, everything they used were the actual props from, I think, The Bride of Frankenstein. And it was, they they had found them. Somebody still had them. They used was them it, and they're in it color. It wasn't Kurt oh. Seidemek, right? I think it was Kurt Seidemek. So he was the, uh, Kurt Seidemek was the props master on the uh, early Universal films. And they didn't credit him because it was some of the early ones. That was not something you included in the credits. He made all of these crazy contraptions. And um, Mel Brooks found out he had these parts. No, he approached Mel Brooks and said, I've got all of this stuff from Frankenstein's laboratory from 25, 30 years ago. Do you want to use it in your movie? Uh, all I ask is that you credit me. And Mel Brooks was like, yes, of course, of course. I will give you a big credit in my movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, so slowly I'm get, trying to get into more of the, the universal classics. Like, of course, I've seen frankenstein and king kong but i'm still i'm still weeding my way into it just because of like i i never really you know i i was more of like a like an 80s and on or 70s and on horror guy sure but like i've seen recently i saw for the first time the wolfman and i thought that was really good so I'm just trying to go like there's so many there's so the, many universal monster movies that the, four, the 38 the 34 film box set is really the way to go if you see it on sale just buy it the Blu-ray right yeah, yeah you get it all and then they don't even count uh, the Spanish version of Dracula in that right. box set which is if you I mean we've shown it at the theater um, it's an amazing film to watch the Spanish version of Dracula. They shot it at the exact same time that they were shooting Lugosi's movie, but they shot it at night. And I think it's like, what, 10 or 15 minutes longer? It What it has is a moving camera. Yeah, and the camera, I was, I was getting the there, and the dynamic. camera moves. So you're seeing, you can watch the original Lugosi film and you go and watch the Spanish version. You're seeing the same sets, different actors, and the camera moves. It's just not stationary in, in turns. It's like going into the shot. And the choices that this other director makes, I'm sorry, I don't know his name off the top of my uh, head. Carlos, uh, no, I'm sorry. Carlos Viela, uh, Via Lea Laris is the, is the guy who plays Dracula. Yeah, it's it's an amazing movie. And it's usually, believe it or not, if you own the Dracula DVD or Blu-ray, it's on there. It's, it's a special it, feature. It's, it's not a even special like a... <laughs> feature that you can watch. You've got this whole other amazing film. And the biggest, the biggest thing is why it is not as well regarded is because Dwight Fry and Bela Lugosi make that original movie like yeah the other players don't even come close they're easily um, replaceable alex they if you want a couple movie. of suggestions um I've, i usually watch those universal monster movies all the time the the most consistent of the universal monsters through all the sequels i think is the invisible man movies they're not the best but they're consistently good all the way throughout. And by the end of it, we're in World War II, so they're like the invisible agent where he's fighting Nazis. Is yeah. that is that is that a series of Invisible Man movies or is yep. that yep. Invisible Man, movie? Invisible Man Returns where Vincent Price is the voice of the Invisible Man, um the Invisible Woman, 
the invisible agent and i'm missing one um yeah. it's probably the invisible man returns again or something yeah. like that i think it is yeah the um the new beverly years ago did a double feature and i would love just to sit down and do this to see how they work raiders of the lost ark and the invisible agent Ooh. and i was like oh does that really work like you really want to know like those two back to back does it really work um, so they parallel um, together. The Mummy's Hand, which is the uh, either the second or third Mummy film, is the closest to what you would think of uh, as it's probably the best, biggest inspiration for the Brendan Fraser Mummy of the original Mummy movies. It's more comedy, so that works out really well. Uh, we're showing it at Blobfest, but Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein becomes like the Avengers oh, movie of it's, bringing them all it's together. So it's I used to just think, why would they do this? And then I've come to appreciate it on so many levels See it and at it's, Fest this year everyone laughs right where they're supposed to 80 years later it's crazy yeah. and it's it's for me if it's the one my wife and i can't decide what we're going to watch in october like we try to watch one every night and it was like oh we've only got 90 minutes what are we going to watch and i'm like well we could just watch abbott and costello me frankenstein because you get everybody mm -hmm. let's just do the whole thing and we're like okay because sometimes you just get one or you just get two that one it's just well acted. You got Cheney, you got Lugosi. Glenn Strange does a very great job as Frankenstein. And even a Victor Price and uh, Vincent Price, sorry, okay. at the very end, <laughs> playing the Invisible Man for one whole like oh, line okay. with a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just yeah, we got everybody, and it's it's such a fun. I, movie. I actually envy you, Alex, because there is such amazing gold to find in the pre seventies. Uh, horror movies that you, you that are all going to be new for you that I've seen a hundred times. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a couple. I mean, I do love Psycho, Night of the Living Dead. I'm just talking pre seventies horror. Uh, Rosemary's Baby. Oh, my yeah. dad. My dad introduced me when I was really young. My dad. My dad was like, "This is the scariest movie I've ever <laughs> seen." Uh, my dad is. He's about like he's he's in his mid seventies, so yeah. He what was on TV the one day was the thing from another world, and yeah, he, that's a good he, one. He saw it in the at the drive-in theater, and he's like, "This is the scariest movie I've ever seen." And I now now I talk to him like, "Have you ever seen the Kurt Russell the thing?" And he and he's like, "Oh, I I don't think I have, but I'm sure it can't be as." as scary as the original the thing <laughs> it always it always surprises me whenever we show the the kurt russell the 82 how many people always comment aren't you going to show the original um and it's been long talked about for Blobfest to bring it to bring it to Blobfest. and i don't know you know every year we do one so who knows if it'll ever show up but it's 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 starting to become the most requested movie I'm starting to see like over and over again, which is really surprising to me because the 82 version is a masterpiece. I mean, well, in special so effects, in acting, music, everything. We should show a, no, that was the remake five feature show. The no, Fly, that was. <laughs> the thing, uh, the blob. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, there's a whole bunch of them in the 80s um, I, i'm blanking on some of them right now but like where people were like yeah the remakes suck I'm, and i'm always like yeah that john carpenter's the thing is fucking terrible isn't it yeah and they're like wait what <laughs> yeah and i think the remake of the fly is fantastic but it's, it's good i like, it's like both it's like watching a train wreck i mean you really got to be 
you got well, complete like basically the it's completely different. I, I I never saw the original The Fly just because the 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 remake of it is just so good. And then and then I see like watch some clips of the original one. I'm like, it's I, I don't know. I got it, it's just too fake looking for me. But now wow. that I'm trying to get get into more of that was when I was younger. Now like when as I'm getting older. I get more of like an appreciation for film in general. So I'm trying to give more of like the, the pre seventies horror movies more of a chance, you know, there's yeah, a, it's an interesting thing where you can uh, start to get more into the headspace of when the film was made, which makes it easier to contextualize them. So thinking like when you watch a movie um, before 2010, like, usually sexual assaults in a comedy and it's played for laughs and right, you have to yeah. you don't have to accept that that's okay but you do want to understand the headspace of the people that made this movie and they lived in a time when that was okay um what else would have been different um i introduced thelma and louise and there were a lot of younger people there in their 20s or down and i'm on stage and i wanted to contextualize for them i'm like this was the 90s but this was only 20 years after women were allowed to have a checking account without having a man sign off on it that's not that long ago no um, yeah. this was 25 years from women not being allowed to have a credit card without a male creditor that is insane i didn't even know that <laughs> and and the community have all these 20 year olds who were like what well yeah because that's, that's why it's so credible to have people come to older movies because you have to remember we we've come a long way in a short amount of time but but we haven't come that far and you have to know those things i love that part of cinema history well alex on october 15th you can see the fly at the colonial theater which for one? its 65th anniversary wow. and uh victoria price vincent's daughter is going to be doing a q a afterwards Oh wow! So that's, if you really want to experience the, the fly, way to it. well, and it's that's going to be the way, and it's you know, uh, it it's a fantastic movie. It's it's really. Uh, I read a review, and I never thought of it this way. It's for, you said you couldn't believe it was unbelievable. The the original, you know, just looking at the clips, and the review was like it it feels like it really could happen. That there's a believability to all the actors that you know, everything that happens to the characters and everything is believable because it's all just mistakes of, of pushing things too far, of not taking those precautions, those extra safety measures, and then things. Just I like to think of it as, of um, as a dramedy of errors. Yeah. It's not funny, but it's, it works almost like, um, uh, has Shakespeare's much to do about nothing where it's just a bunch of misunderstandings layered on top of one another, but they're all reasonable misunderstandings and, and science is involved. I love that era of science e horror and sci-fi. And yeah. This, right. This. Yeah. Like I, like I said, I I'm trying to see more movies for the first time with the experience of being at the theater. So I'm definitely going to try to make it out for that. Right on. And I, I would imagine that's on a Sunday, right? That's when you guys. Yeah, that's playing. a Sunday. Uh, I think it's a Sunday at. Looks like it's going to be at like one, one thirty. Oh, okay. So, so you guys will play more of like, um, like, the eighties horror movies on a Friday night. But I notice on the Sundays it's more of like the classic day. Yeah. We try, we try to, um, a lot of the 80s, some of the 70s stuff, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
Um, that usually we regulate that to a Friday night or a Saturday night, depending on the colonial schedule, like concerts, you know, bring a lot of people in. So we'll have a concert. Usually get a lot of, well, where's, where's the horror movie on Friday night? You're like, well, we've got 600 people here to see, you know, a band play. So it's, it's something that, you know, we have to just move our movie over one night. Um, but yeah, the, the Sundays in October, especially have been a little bit there. They just need to be the, the, the era of the universal monsters, maybe even the hammers. We're doing a hammer double feature this year. I do. It's just those movies. It's hard to put those movies by themselves in any other place. Um, We did the invisible man uh, back in January, but it's a, it's one of the, the universal monster movies that takes place in the winter time. Like creatures from the black lagoon takes place at the beach, you know, in, in a lagoon. It seems weird for me to watch the movie now in October where it, to me, that's a that's a Blobfest summer, summer hot movie. You know, you're in the jungle. You know, you're not in this gothic castle or anything. Uh, are you, Alex? Are you also looking at um at the at the Hammer films, the Hammer era of uh, films, fifties and sixties? Well, yeah, I I I hear, I hear that the Hammer era of Dracula are really good, and I've I've seen like some clips. So uh, that is uh, Peter Cushing who plays as Dracula in those. He's he right? plays Van Helsing. He usually plays Van Helsing. He plays oh, Van uh, he Helsing. Plays Frankenstein for Hammer. Uh, who plays as Dracula in the Hammer Dracula that's, uh, movie? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Okay, that's that's who I'm thinking of. Peter Cushing is from Star Wars. Um, mm. I've seen some clips and they actually look pretty good. And I would. I need to see like the whole entire movie. I think it was, was it the Curse of Dracula? Where I is there a Curse of Dracula? Or am I there's a, there's of... a whole lot of them. The titles get crazy. Curse yeah, of Dracula. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to tell you what the titles are for these these yeah. Hammer films because Taste the Blood uh, of Dracula. Yeah, what a title. What a title. <laughs> there's so many that were Warner Brothers released, and then different studios started to release them, and then. If you play, like, try to find a thread of, is this a sequel to this one? It gets very blurry. It's just better to go with it. So yeah. we're showing some Hammer, um, just... and they're good ones coming up. But um, I will tell you, uh, I can't get, I can't show you the poster right here, but there's a couple Hammer films, I would say, like, that aren't even the, Fred, the Dracula Frankenstein canons, just to watch, like, one-offs that are just wild. Um, one of them is Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter. Have you seen this one? No, I have not. <laughs> so uh, it is British medieval Blade, the vampire hunter. Dude's got his own assistant. He makes his own equipment. He sword fights with a rapier against vampires. It's wild. Now, is this uh, the same Blade from Marvel? Well, I'm saying um, this is the kind of character that is in the same vein as Oh, Blade. oh, it's okay. British medieval Blade. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Got um, it. There's also, um, we're showing the Gorgon, which is a fantastic um, uh uh, Christopher Lee performance. Um, but there's also Hands of the Ripper, which is super stylish and it's all on back lots and I love it. Um, you gotta you gotta see it. There was another murder. They're looking for Jack the Ripper. It's you. The terror of Jack the Ripper lives on in his accursed daughter. There's a violence in this girl. Something horribly violent. You've got to possess being in your home. A girl tainted fiendish possessed a killer with the hands of the ripper rated r the one showing i went to a friday the 13th friday the 13th part two 
there was a guest there. She was in the movie. I'm trying to think of her name, and I I've even met her before. Uh, is um, it was it Lori Cohen? Oh yeah, yeah, Lori uh, Lauren Taylor. Oh, you um, mean Friday the Thirteenth Part Two? Yeah. Yeah. What did I say? A Night on the Street. Oh, not well. Yeah, I just I still have that on my mind for some reason. <laughs> it makes yeah, sense. I knew who he was talking about. Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. Laura Marie Taylor. You when you Laura mean Marie we Taylor had her at our show or somewhere else? No, no, no. I met her. I met her at a convention, like a small convention, out by Allentown this past fall. But um, what I was asking is, who was who who was your biggest guest on at the theater? Oh, hmm. um, for, for like a. For yeah, like for for like a horror show. That's tough. Uh, we were just just had um, Greg Sestero there for um, the room just this past mm-hmm. weekend, and, and we've had Joe Bob Briggs twice. Yeah, three yeah. times, three times, and we've had Joel Hodgson um, numerous times. Just so yeah, many times. So it um, doesn't really. Yeah, it's funny when those don't register anymore. When I know. they should be bragging <laughs> points. Uh, Kane Hodder uh, and, and Bill, Bill Mosley were just there for Hey Ride to Hell. So pretty big deal for horror um laura marie taylor was delightful while bob's thinking um she was so wonderful at our show i was sitting in the back and i was watching the movie and then i heard somebody talking too loudly over the film and i normally get up and walk over and say hey can you stop that and i look over and it's her she's shouting up at the screen and making fun of her scenes in the movie loud enough for the audience yeah, to enjoy that it. was pretty good i was <laughs> that, that was that was pretty good that was the kind of movie that too and it really needed it at times um it was the obvious thing um i don't know victoria price having her there was was special to talk to her privately uh chuck and i got to talk to her like help help her set up and stuff but then to talk to her on stage that was really cool um I don't know. We've, we've tried to have, you know, we've had people from the blob. We had the d- director, uh, uh, Shorty Yeworth was on stage and spoke. We've talked to the production designer, Bill Jersey. So the people who actually, you know, who worked on the movie that we now like, you know, hold so high in regard. And it's mm-hmm. a big part of our, of our theater, have those people there. That's always been great. We've, I don't, th- we had, the, we had the little kid. Danny, um, yeah, that's um, Keith Almany. Yeah, we've had him there, but we never really uh, two of the teenagers are still alive and, you know, we've invited them, but they don't have any interest in coming. The fellows um, who play Tony and uh, Mooch. And yeah, uh, so, you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, We've had people from None of the Living Dead come to Blobfest. Um, Tom Savini's but, been at Blobfest. Yeah, so it's. Oh, that's that's great. It's weird. It's it's kind of a strange thing. You know, sometimes, you know, we we get close to having people and other times it just falls through or it's scheduling problems. But it's a weird thing for me, Alex, that um, when Matt McGinnis texted me during the mystery science theater uh, backer party, he's like, could you go let the cast in the back door? Uh, I was working the event. So I'm run downstairs. So weird. I'm, I'm propping open the back door of the colonial Joel Hodgson standing there having a conversation with the musical guest. And I'm watching as like, here comes almost all of the cast of mystery science theater, except for the riff tracks guys. Like, all of them just walking down the back alleyway toward me. It was so bizarre. Um, just and then they're all just great people, but it was just a weird thing for me. Yeah, sure. it's it's just strange. I don't know. I've 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 done enough. I've, I've been a pop culture journalist. I've worked on ch- uh, celebrity charity uh, events and stuff, so it doesn't really phase me because it's always been like work. So 
you know, it's just, it, it's your work mode. You know, you can't be a fan and be at work at the same time. But I, I think for me, uh, riding in the elevator with Kane Hodder and going, I'm in the elevator with Jason Voorhees and I purposely did this to myself. That was, that was, that was probably the weirdest surrealist moment. And then there was the fact that he asked me, he goes, can we take the elevator instead of going down the stairs? I don't really trust those stairs. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Okay. We're not Yeah, Here I go. Yeah. I'm in the elevator with him all by myself. <laughs> um, it's probably. Walking, go ahead. I'm just sorry. Walk, just walking down the stairs with all these horror fans. He probably wouldn't make it down the stairs because everyone would just be trying to talk to him. That could have been it too. He just may have just known enough to not go down. But I don't know. I it's I I think having Joe Bob is for me. It's it's been great because he's a he understands his fans, um, and he really understands cinema and he appreciates it. So, and he literally did not turn anybody away. He sat there all through the night signed autographs uh, for both events that I've done with him there. And it's, that's, that's really cool. So I, I'd say stuck in the elevator with Jason is, was good. And then uh, <laughs> oh. having uh, Joe Bob Briggs come in and just satisfy every fan in, in the place. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like Joe, Joe Bob Briggs. He's a, he's a real nice guy. I met him twice at the theater. Re- real nice guy. The second time I met him, he was so tired though, because I met him after the show, mm. and, and he seemed real tired. Yeah, but he's a great guy though. And he had just—if it was—he had just come from filming too. Yes. So oh did, yeah. He was filming, and then he drove up, did the show, uh, and then did the whole thing, and then signed till—I don't even know when we were there till Chuck. We were there very late. I got home about one thirty, so about one one ten. Yeah. So that was just—you know—that's a lot. On a guy, on anybody. Um, He's a uh, sixty-nine or seventy, so yeah, yeah. So that that was great. Yeah, um, I think probably on stage introducing uh, Joel Hodgson to the crowd um, was probably a top-tier moment for me. I like I watched that guy on TV when I was eight years old. Like, like he he helped influence my sensibilities and sense of humor. So, um, and the films that I decided to watch. So that was really wild to tell the audience. Here he is, Joel Hodgson is just yeah, yeah, like just being on stage and actually like introducing one of your one of your heroes, you know. Oh well, wait, wait, wait. No, if we're gonna we're gonna say that, um, getting to shake the hand of the creature from the Black Lagoon, Rico Browning, pretty the last cool. time he came to the theater for Blobfest was pretty cool because I, I guess it was his daughter or something was, was he was in a wheelchair so we could get by everybody and he, and they're pushing him up and I'm like, Mr. Browning this way. And he looked at me like, you know who I am, you know? And, <laughs> and it was just that look. And I was like, it's a pleasure to meet you, sir. I'll take you right inside. And we got him right inside. And I was just like, I just shook hands with the creature from the black lagoon. You, that is, you can't, I even have that, I think on my Instagram, like, you know, about me or something like that, that yeah. I've actually shaken the hand of the creature from the black lagoon so that's pretty cool to actually meet a universal monster um you know that's yeah you can't really top that that's that's pretty cool he's a, he was a pretty gracious dude r.i.p he passed away this year last year this year yeah yeah so yeah that's an autograph i actually i got framed put it in my office yeah. um so it's right there in the like you come in to talk to me at my office and then he's right behind me um and my one co-worker goes boy he was he was pretty good looking, wasn't he? And I was like, well, he was a swimmer. I mean, what did you, he was an Olympic <laughs> swimmer, you know? 
people. I would, I would have met him, and I was like, well, he would have been. Imagine, so he was ago. better looking than the two male leads in the movie. And like, exactly. imagine, imagine saying like, all right, really handsome guy, buff guy. Here, put this fish head on and get in the water. <laughs> how how old was he when he died? He must have been close to hundred, right? He was in his mid nineties. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, yeah. The reason he was oh, outlived everybody else is because the creature from the Back of the Moon started way later than the other Universal Monster series. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Probably the next closest we probably could have met was probably like Elsa Lanchester or um, what was it? Uh, Carradine probably would have Carradine, been close. Probably. But even he was in the later Universal Monster movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Carradine would have been the, one of the last ones. But I never would have talked to him about that. It would have been more like, you know, let's talk about the Grapes of Wrath. Sure. Working with John Ford and, and Henry Fonda. That, that's where my brain would your, go. Your right classical there. cinema knowledge is showing itself. Yeah. Cause I'm like, well, wait, I'm gonna, I don't want to. Yeah. I love doing that. I love talking to these guys and you, you bring the movie out from like nowhere and they go, what? You want to talk about that? Like of all things. Cause you know, they've been asked the same horror question a million times. But it's like you get Wes Craven and you start like, why did you want to go make like music of the heart? You know, what what was your driving force for that movie? I think that was the movie that non-horror movie he made was I think it was music of the heart with like Meryl Streep or something like that. Or Glenn Close. It. It's something like that. You know, you I want to know why, you know, why they make those those choices, those changes, you know, to their careers and, you know, pick pick the different one out. Don't ask the same boring question every time. Sure. Yeah, because I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure they get sick of answering the same question. Yeah, even though it's what it's what to expect. You know? I, uh, to my credit, um, I the one time I got to ask Bruce Campbell a question, which was on the um, the Exhumed Films show for <laughs> the Man with the Screaming Brain. <laughs> yeah. Bob, you know where I'm going with this? No, I don't. Oh, but that okay. was the movie. That was the show. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. So I got to, I got to ask him a question after the show, and I couldn't believe it. I was so thrilled. I had actually chatted with him on the internet, um, like on early AOL Instant Messenger forever ago. But um, I got to ask him a question, and I didn't want to be like there was. It was still the era of people constantly being like, "What about Evil Dead 3? And he was so sick and tired of it. He still gets that, um, even though we have five movies now. Um, but I got to ask him a question. I didn't want to ask anything he'd been asked before. And, um, so I asked him because the, the three stooges influence in evil dead two is, is so, and, and, and army darkness is so there it's like, they're clearly evil, uh, a three stooges fan. So I asked him what his favorite three stooges episode was. And I saw the veneer of the speaker sort of crack a little bit because he's got a persona when he goes on stage. And I know what that's all the dash daring. I did the same thing, but he has a persona and it's like that edgy going to make fun of you for your question sort of curmudgeon. And when I asked him a question that was a legitimate question and one that he hadn't been asked before and that he couldn't, he didn't have an immediate joke to make fun of me with. He, he, he didn't know what to do. He was like, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we will go. Are you happy? Can you sleep now? <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's got, he's got like a shtick up there. Oh, yeah. he's yeah. Oh, he does. I saw him at uh, one of the Philadelphia comic book shows, and I was just like, I wasn't going to ask a question. I was there to watch the show, and he was just like, boom, 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 boom. I am not Ash. I am an actor. I play this part. <laughs> Don't ask me what it was like to kill this this thing because I'm just an actor. I am not that guy, you know. So, and then he was like, all right. 
50 bucks for the best person with the best evil dead tattoo that I can look at that you don't have to take clothes off with or something like that you know so i mean he had like his whole it was it was like going to see kevin smith like you don't have to ask you can ask one question and get an hour-long response you, you know? mean like and we've done here to alex bob exactly and completely <laughs> entertaining yeah i i'd never even put that together that they're they're influence that evil dead 2 and army of darkness is influenced by the three stooges but oh yeah i, I could see it like how slapsticky it is watch yeah. watch the credits because it'll say shemp one shemp two shemp three and that was that was Raimi's way of labeling the extras with shemps and i believe he did it in dark man as well um they had uh, it bruce shemps. campbell is uh the fake shemp because he's the um he's the mask that dark man puts yeah, on he's the, the last end. shemp or something like yeah. that yeah so yeah it's a there's a whole army of darkness is it's all there i mean it's blatant in um in lethal weapon because they put it on screen to show you that he's you know doing some three stooges routines but in army of darkness it's just right i mean they're doing bits the whole he does day. the catch too with the hand yeah it's so good i mean that that's you know that's that's just loving stuff but i'm i'm it's great alex you're you're diving into this whole horror world because when I discovered Hammer Films, I was a video store clerk. Um, I think I had watched some special or something, and I was like, wait a minute, there's a whole nother set of Universal Monsters. And then I started watching it going, wait a minute, that's Grand Moff Tarkin from Star Wars. And I'm like, okay. So then I was like, oh, wait a minute. He's in my he's in that weird Frankenstein movie that I watched one day at my grandmother's house. And I had no idea what it was. It was the most bizarre thing, and it was Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. And David Prowse, who played Darth Vader, is the creature in that movie. He looks like awesome. a big furry gorilla. And I was it. I went, got that movie started there, and then just worked. That's like one of the last ones that, that uh, Cushing did as, as uh, Dr. Frankenstein. And I just went back, and I just started all over again. And it's such a great rabbit hole to fall down. Because there's, there's good stuff. There's crap. There's just weird stuff. There's stuff that was way ahead of the curve like dr jekyll and sister hyde you're just like oh yeah what oh, is man. going on here like this is not the movie you're expecting and then chuck and i have gotten uh, a recent hammer box set where you're like yeah, it's a hammer box set it was put up by mill creek but it's yeah. like all their almost like topical dramas of the day and there's one called was it cash on demand yes oh where peter wow. cushing plays a bank teller who's like held up on Christmas day on Christmas Eve. And he's like, like we have your wife and kid. They're all, they're on the phone and you're not going to hear from them again. Boom. The guy's coming in to collect the money. And you're like, it's a realistic horror of this guy trying to get through. How can he contact the police? How can he save his wife and kids? How can he keep the money, you know, and not give it all up all at Christmas. It's just, but then there's like, some of them are almost, and you're going to be a parent soon. I know that some of them are really tough to watch as a parent. They're very difficult to watch because you're like, I don't need to go through this emotional experience. And these are hammer films that are not featured with Frankenstein, Dracula, some weird creature that they came up with. They're very different. There's even so, a really, that box that has a really good um, uh, Robin Hood. Uh, yeah, adaption like a do really them good one afterwards. There's, there's a pirate movie in there too that's really good. Yeah, with Christopher Lee. Do them after you get through every time 
Peter Cushing plays Dr. Uh, Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Every time he plays Van Helsing, every time Christopher Lee does and doesn't play Dracula. And then even when you get to like the seven golden vampires with uh, Peter Cushing as Van Helsing, like in the seventies fighting Kung Fu vampires, you're still going to love it, but you're going to be like, what did, what was going on here? Scream Factory has done right by all of those movies with fantastic special features, in-depth interviews with people who are still alive. And you really do appreciate them. Like you like the movie and then you go and you watch the interviews and you're like, well, you know what they were doing, what they were trying to accomplish. It's, it's amazing. And then you, there's also some documentaries. They had like the world of hammer, which was narrated by Oliver Reed and they're scattered across all the different discs as special features. So you got to watch like the women of hammer, you know, the vampires of hammer, the monsters of hammer, but you can't watch them all at once. You have to watch them by buying the different discs. Alex hammer worked out of a man. The hammer hammer owned a mansion. Uh, that they shot in very frequently exteriors as well it's the mansion from the rocky horror picture show is it okay hammer had gone under about at the end (laughs) at at 1970 they had gone bankrupt and the the place sat abandoned and then rocky horror picture show moved in to be filmed there they had no heat so like that pool sequence the water's not heated and it's like 50 degrees in the room and that's susan sarandon doing that whole dance pool sequence with pneumonia because um, of how cold it was because they had no heat and the whole place was dilapidated um but the exterior as well that's that's that that's the hammer mansion and it's in so many of those movies so when you get to them you're gonna say oh okay this yeah, is the hammer mansion put together yeah but the hammer definitely... so much fun like yeah. you just it's so red and so bloody and then you're gonna <laughs> yeah, the go yeah. you're gonna start to you'll get hammer eyes like you'll start realizing like oh so sleepy hollow is a hammer film Yes. you'll see everything that Tim Burton's doing down to the fact that he has Christopher Lee in the opening of the movie, you know, and all these great British actors and everything like he made a modern hammer film. I mean, it, it really is. But then you go and you watch Robert Englund's um, Phantom of the Opera. And that is a hammer film, like the blood, the gore, the lighting, everything. You're like with a little bit more sex to it. On that same vein, if you've um, you've seen a, a Friday the 13th part six, right? Jason lives. Right, yeah, of course. Yeah, so uh, Friday the 13th Part 6 is a Universal Monster movie. It's a Frankenstein movie. Yeah, it so is. If you, yeah. Um, I talked to uh, Tom Lachlan, the director, and he was like, I, I wanted to know why. So why he, it's shot and lit and framed in the same way as a, as a Universal Monster movie. So you can turn off the color on your TV and watch it in black and white, and you can see it. Like You can see the, the splashes of light and the framing, and you're like, Holy shit. So I asked him, I was like, why, why did you make this a Universal Monster movie? And he said, when I was a kid, the, the local TV station would get a package of a film. They would get a Universal Monster movie. And they had that one movie for the week. So it would play four times a week to four different nights. So you get Frankenstein and he would watch it four times that week. And then you'd get, you know, Invisible Man. He would watch it four times. And he just fell in love with that aesthetic. And he wanted, he decided I was going to, I'm going to make a Jason Voorhees movie, but it's going to be a Universal Monster movie. That's probably why that that movie is probably the best Jason movie other than other than two and three. It's easier with this one <laughs> with that one because there's no Tom Atkins to put one of them ahead of the others. Right. I know oh, I know Tom you're... Atkins, that'd be great in a Friday thirteenth movie. They could still do that. He's still alive. He's, we could still yeah, do Friday thirteenth with Tom Atkins. 
<laughs> he's getting he's getting up there in age though so I'll tell you what he's still I, I just revisited um the remake of my bloody valentine and he's terrific in it i i forgot he was even in it but he's really good yeah yeah that we, me and my friend recorded an episode about that this past february and yeah tom atkins was was great in it he he was a little older in age but he still had it you know i wonder if he could still, if he could do one more horror movie, I'd, lo- I'd love to do it. That's something. That's someone we've been trying to get at the theater for some time now. Um, we Chuck and I both love the fog, um, and to have Tom Atkins come to a show. We even did a horror bowl that was dedicated to him called Total Tom Atkins, which was um, the fog, Night of the Creeps, and Halloween Three. And it, it's just, it's so much fun when Tom Atkins is on screen. Uh, it's just. Don't know what it is. Never realized it until I think I watched Halloween 3 uh, on Screen Factory Blu-ray disc. I'm like, I'm going to give this a shot. I was reviewing movies. and I'm like, I haven't watched this probably since I was like 20. And then I was like, what was I thinking when I was 20? This is amazing. It's that shit crazy. He's so like plays everything straight. Like he's all in it for the part. Very legit. Um, And I... I was like, it's it's has become my quintessential Halloween movie now. It's it's in October. I watch Tom. We Atkins. do watch it way too much. We do, <laughs> and and we've had to actually like we've had like we're like, well, let's do Halloween three again. And then we were starting to get from some of our regulars. You guys show Halloween three a lot, and we're just like, well, what's what's wrong with that? And we we got that about the fog too. We had people yeah. who wanted to know where the fog was going to be at Horrible because that's the one they were going to skip. And, oh, come on. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you guys show the fog a lot. And we're just like, we haven't shown the fog now. And I think going on two years. Let's so I really, really want to bring cool it back next bit. year. And we, we may do a Adrian Barbeau horrible. I really want to do that. But I mean, really want to do like, you got to do the fog. I mean, it's her movie. Like it really is. Tom Atkins is he's great in it, but it's her movie. Um, I mean, she's even might have to wait a couple years. Give it some distance. Oh, I don't know. It's such a good movie. When Creepshow and The Fog played the double feature at the Colonial, wasn't Adrian Barbeau and Tom Atkins local because of the monster mania that was in Oaks? They were. They didn't find out about the show until after the fact. Um, We, you know, it's it's something where our hands are kind of tied. We can't really reach out to the stars. Um, yeah. When they're there for a different event, it's kind of like frowned upon. So we yeah, just contract. They're contracted for the other event yeah. for the weekend. Right. So yeah. we just kind of like said, "Hey, we're here. We got it on." But we had a special event posters that night, uh, and then the next day, those event posters were all going to Tom Atkins and Adrian Barbeau. So she was like, "Wait, you, sh- you guys showed my movie down the street and at, at a movie theater?" And we're like, "Yeah, we're not that far away." So it's something that, you know, I've seen her speak um, at a Monster Mania. She's great. I've seen him at a Monster Mania before they actually charged for photographs, hmm. you know, hmm. where there was kind of get a picture like, yeah, sure. Because you actually had a camera and it wasn't like, you know, posting yeah. two seconds <laughs> later. Um, and they were both just very generous, wonderful people, um, you know, but Tom Atkins is he was just amazing. He was just standing there. You know, my buddy went over and started talking to him and we got great stories just in in our little 10 minutes with tom atkins that we still tell to this day so i mean he was such a cool guy yeah that's awesome speaking speaking of um halloween three 
Did you guys recently play that this past Halloween or? No, we did it at um, uh, we did it at Total Tom Atkins Horror Bowl, which was February of twenty two. Yeah, so we we haven't done Halloween three in a while. Um, it was weird to do it in February, but it, it fit with Tom Atkins, um, and a lot of people were excited that we were doing it. It was such a break, uh, a break from the norm. But uh, I'm I'm always down for Halloween three. Um, we do, we, yeah, like he's shaking me off. Uh, we, we, we have been doing Halloween 78, um, every Friday or Saturday, right before Halloween. And it plays better than I ever thought it would. I always saw it as like, yeah, people have parties and stuff and but we've had really good audiences for it. Um, and we show it on horrible, horrible is gratifying because I don't care about the Super Bowl. It's never been my jam. And I sometimes feel a little left out from that. And Bob had this great idea to do an event for those people that feel left out and just don't care about football. And so yeah. many people thank us. They're like, I have nothing to do on this day and I don't care about football. Thank you for giving me uh, a thing to do with people who are like me. I love that feeling. I love being able to do that for people. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I... it, ma- it makes it good. Cause we, we have a halftime show, you know, we can do all kinds of like football type themes. Uh, people wear their football hard jerseys for like <laughs> hockey or something like that, you know, but it's like, Hey, I'm I'm going out. I'm doing this thing, and I'm going to watch three fun movies while everybody else is watching the same commercials we're going to see on Yelling every YouTube TV. channel. Yeah, every yeah. other day, <laughs> it's you know, and we have themed events, t- shirts or posters or whatever for it, and it's just a nice break. And usually, you're home by the game's still going on, so it's not like you're going to miss anything. We start at like one thirty. You're usually done by seven, eight o'clock. Um, yeah. So that's that's one of our fun events, and I'm I'm so glad we got it approved before I was on a staff member. Um, and when I pitched it, and they were like, "Okay, well, is everybody going to show up?" I'm like, well, I guess we'll find out. And and Chuck and I were, you know, when we made the pitch, um, you know, we said, "What was your attendance last year?" And they said we had 19 people on Super Bowl Sunday. And that was it because everybody watches a game, and we said, "Well, all right." Well, you know, let's do this. And then we also programmed a really good classic movie with Cary Grant. And I was so mad. I couldn't go to both. (laughs) They had, I know me too. And I'm always mad at myself because we can't do both. Like we've been programming Cary Grant movies on Super Bowl Sunday at one 30. Well, that's before the game even starts. So we've got 50, 60 people coming in to watch Cary Grant with Grace Kelly or Cary Grant with Catherine Hepburn or, you know, and just Cary Grant brings people in. Most people don't think of him that way. And I'm always down for putting a Cary Grant movie somewhere in the schedule if I think we've got to make some money. I just wish the man would have made a horror movie because um, that would have been, you know, interesting <laughs> just to see him in something a little bit on the spookier side. I mean, but, you know, to catch a thief, we drew 50 people on Super Bowl Sunday to see Catch a Thief. And people were like, yeah, I can still go watch the game. This is fun. You know, I can go do this beforehand and get a movie in and go do my thing in the public so it's become a very busy day for us now which is weird it's good stuff it's it's wonderful to have so many uh, have three theaters and have such a wide variety of programming because there's so many people like colonial theater is a community right You, you can look on the outside of it and say that's a movie theater and it is um but it's the community it's all the communities it's the overlap of all the people um who come to see things and I love getting people from one circle to, to get out of that comfort zone and jump into one of the other circles and try it out. I just love that. Uh, I was also thinking in a, in a way, like 
like the scene at the colonial it's all it's almost similar to like the punk rock scene or something where like people like get to know each other from going to the the theater enough times and like you know someone's talking you turn around and you start talking to them about the movie before the movie starts and you get to know people and i and i feel like it's almost like similar to like yeah like the punk rock scene or the underground music scene which i used to go to a lot of shows back in the day like i still like i've seen plenty of people from going to like hardcore and punk rock shows at the colonial like the the fog and creep show after creep show ended my friend's brother that i know from going to shows he walks right up to me at the colonial it's like i had a feeling i'd run into you here and i wasn't expecting him to be there yeah. I wasn't expecting him to be there. He's like, it's yeah, a good feeling, man. Yeah, I, I, I like to. He's like, I like to just to, to drive down to the Colonial sometimes and just see what's playing. He lives uh, down in uh, Lansdale or like North yeah, Wales. Uh, yeah. Well, it's right been on. we've had we've had an interesting crossover, and I'd, I'd say the one of the weird little things that I've I've really come to appreciate is that we have some. Uh, we have some women that work just in the box office. They don't work at the concession stands or anything. And they have, they have told me these are, these are older ladies. Um, and they have told me their na- names are Meg and Denise. And they have said the horror crowd is the best crowd. They are the most fun. They are the most polite and they are just wonderful to be around. And we, I love working those nights. I mean, they're there till nine forty-five at night, you know, until like almost ten o'clock or whatever, making sure everybody gets in. And they said, "You guys are the best. You're better than concert people. You're better than you know any movie during the week. Just everybody is here to have such a good time." And I, I love working that shift because of that crowd. So, I mean, you know, people I think look down on, on the horror horror fans sometimes. They don't understand it. Um, I've come to appreciate it on multiple different levels. But to know that those people are a big community and we've seen people become friends who were, you know, there by themselves. They start doing what you're saying, Alex, like talking. And then all of a sudden now they're friends. They're going to the drive-in together. They're going to horror shows together. You know, so it's a it's a nice um, element that we have. It's a, if you want to experience it, you know, we're right in Phoenixville. You can't miss us if you drive down <laughs> the main street. Uh, you're going on Bridge Street. We're right there. Um, that you're going to get a different um, film experience. You'll probably get to meet friends. I mean, Chuck and I became friends because we worked, we worked together planning stuff. Um, you know, there's a bunch of people who I became friends with because you, you had that conversation. You turn around and you're like, well, what do you mean you didn't like, or what do you mean you didn't understand? Or what do you mean you loved it? This scene like that. And, you know, then you start talking and all of a sudden you're going to the bar afterwards and then you're at their, 40th birthday party you know three years later and going like he's toasting our friendship wait a minute how did i get here it was all because of burial ground <laughs> exactly we all were sitting through burial ground and we leaned over and said boy that's gotta hurt and then all of a sudden we're friends afterwards so it's it's a weird mixture of people like you know i got birthday presents for my son from people who were at the horror show who knew his birthday was there because they knew I wasn't going to be there next week. And they're giving me presents, you know, just give to my son. That's not normal. That's, that's, that's a great gift and it's a great experience. So, 
you know, I try to explain to some of my peers who don't understand the horror world, the horror fans, the horror genre. And like you guys, it, you have to give yourself over to the movie because it's so much more than the movie. It's also the people that are watching people that, you know, you come to enjoy it. And COVID has, I'd say in a lot of ways, and I know Chuck will agree with me. We used to go out beforehand. Oh yeah. And we used to go to the bars beforehand and have like, Hey, we're going to meet at this bar at seven o'clock before the nine forty-five movie. There'd be 25, 30 people there. And there'd be one or two people who you're just standing there and it's their first time. And then, you know, by the fifth movie of the year, they're all like, hey, you know, and everybody knows everybody. So it's uh, COVID really killed that in a lot of ways. And I, it's one thing that I really do miss, but our conversations afterwards and our conversations beforehand are now just more enclosed inside the theater. There's none. And now we serve like We sell alcohol now. We too. sell alcohol now too. So, <laughs> I mean, I was toasting um, uh, James Hong at uh, Big Trouble in Little China with a beer on stage. Which, by um, the way, I really appreciated you doing that. It was very uh, heartfelt. Yeah. I well, James I, Hong. you know, it's somebody who, you know, it's Kurt Russell movie, you know, it's fantastic. But you're like, you know, this guy's really, really good in this movie you know i mean it's no small feat and he's in so many great movies and i was like everybody in that audience already knew everything that i would probably would talk about so i said let's just pay tribute to this man and maybe he didn't know that he's from minneapolis that he served in the korean war you know all these great things that we should know about him so you know that's what makes doing what we do fun um you can mix it up and you meet great people and I do appreciate that you guys have beer there too. I do appreciate. <laughs> hey, we're gonna have we're gonna have the official, well, not the official, but the unofficial Jaws beer at Jaws. So we'll have the. No way! All right, what yeah. what what's that called? I never say it right. It's from New England. Ne- ne- Narragansett. Oh, Narragansett. Narragansett beer. Narragansett. Yeah, we're gonna have that, and then um, like we're doing a we're doing a Willie Nelson screening on Sunday, and we're having this local beer called the hop headed stranger. So we do, we do do our best to try to add those extra elements. We have seven cases of the hop headed stranger, but we've had blob beer, uh, root down, uh, which is a bar around the corner from us. Uh, they've done blob beer. They did it last year. Maybe this year. Uh, Iron Hill Brewery's also done a beer, uh, blob beers in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they've done a colonial beer too. So it's really cool when you're sitting there with a can that has the your movie theater on it and you're drinking it and it's like an English ale and you're like, where do we, how do we get here? What again? world do I live in that we got here? <laughs> yeah. How do we get, or the blobs on a can and you're sitting there and Chuck gave me one that was like, what, four months old? And I'm like, really? And oh, like, so I kept I kept one of each of the beers, of our beers, because it's got the cool artwork on the can. Yeah, yeah I have all yeah. the empty cans. I just put the screwdriver in the bottom and then pour them out. And... I'm mad because they, they, they only made it the one time, and it was a really delicious beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... I'm, I'm actually a big fan of Root Down. Do you guys both live in Phoenixville? Uh, Bob does. I live in Royersford, it's just the adjacent town. Oh, just just right right across. Yeah, I live in Phoenixville now too. Um, lived here for about three years now. I'm actually from Thanks. Bucks Bucks County. Okay, but okay. Uh, yeah, um, my wife is from Chester County, and we just love this area. So we finally moved to Phoenixville about three years ago. Yeah, it's that's. Okay. I'm and, going on year um, three now too, but I I used to live. Used to live in town, and then I moved over to Royersford for two years during the pandemic. I'm so glad I did, or else I would have been this tiny little 
uh, condo, like one, like loft, one room thing. And I moved to a house and then pandemic hit and we moved back afterwards. And I'm, I, I love being able to walk to work on days yeah. that I have to, I can, you know, it's, it's yeah. really just kind of nice knowing what our parking situation is. Uh, I was going to say when you guys were talking about going to the bar before the shows, like I would hang out at Root Down a lot before a, a, a show. And, and I just look around. I'm like, all right, I know this person's going to go to the show. This person's going like uh, before Jaws, this one guy was like, I'll drink to your leg. I'm like, all right, I know yeah, this guy's going go, going to the Jaws show. Yeah, that's, that's I, I love, I used to sit at the pizza shop that used to be across the theater, across the from the theater when they would have outside uh, seating. And you could just sit there and just look at the Jaws shirts. You see them on the little kids. You see them, and it's it's just great. I did it it's, for the. I did it outside of Steel. I sat outside of Steel City uh, the the afternoon before the Joe Bob show, and it was just like, oh my gosh, the, the uh, people just had him on their chest. I'm like, that guy's coming to our show, <laughs> and they're already just hanging out, just waiting. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, guys, I, I really appreciate uh, you guys making uh making time out of your night to. Just shoot the shit with me. I, I want to ask you one more thing, though. Um, I know that it's Exhumed Films, but you guys do still host the Exhumed Films, correct? Well, technically, we um, we host them to do the show. Like, we, okay. we, we give them the theater to put on. Um, Exhumed Films has been uh, really, like, we reached out to them during the pandemic when they lost their theater down in Philly. Um, and we said, you know, we've got 592 seats. We know that you did a little over 200, you know, let's just bring it in here and let's do the show and work out details. And the great thing about that relationship is that it's been mutually beneficial. Their, their audience is now like part of our audience. And, yeah. uh, you know, Harry's been really cool with, um, who is part of Exhumed film, Harry Guerrero. He's been really cool with, Hey, I've got a print of this. I've got a print of that. Do you guys want to show this? You know, we're, we're going to show, hopefully show a movie in November called eight seconds. I'm sorry. Eight seconds, 16 seconds, not the sequel, 16 seconds, which no, it's not even called that. I'm sorry. It's called seconds. That's what it's called. Seconds. It's a John Frankenheimer film and it's on 35 millimeter. And it's a very rare um, movie with rock Hudson. So he was like, Hey, you guys want to show this? And I'm like, Ooh, something different, something that's outside of the norm. It's a different kind of classic movie. Um, and I knew it was shown at the American Cinematheque out in Los Angeles. I'm like, yes. So that apparently was your print. He goes, yeah, it's my print. So it's been cool. And now um, we have actually uh, did some tests. Harry brought in his 3D uh, lenses and we're able to project 3D films the way that they were projected back in the 80s. So Harry has a very large collection of 3D movies that he can show uh, at the Colonial. So we're working on it's like three dimensions of fear part two, which will be in the first Saturday in November. We're going to do three more um, 3d films. Like we did last year. Um, we did Friday 13th, part three, Amityville 3d and uh, jaws 3d, jaws not 3D. in that order, but man, to see jaws 3d in 3d was, that was a big, never thought I would get to do it, let alone program it 
you know, or have it shown at my theater, just cross it off the list. I was like, wow, I can't believe that one's yeah. done. <laughs> and usually Bob and I are both working the Exhumed film shows to make sure everything goes smoothly uh, on the colonial side of things. Um, for me, I I was partially inspired by having attended so many Exhumed film shows. My first Exhumed film show, I think, was 2000. Um, and uh, I'd gone to so many Exhumed film shows. So to get to work with those guys directly at our, at our home is just, it's like the peanut butter chocolate thing being smushed together. No part of it's a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's been great to have those guys. It's just a lot of fun and they, you know, they have a crazy 24 hour show and we're, we're glad that we're a part of it. And it's, it's like on the calendar, like we're doing their exploitation film festival on um, the 11th Saturday. of June, which is this Saturday. <laughs> and already it's just like, I've, I know the films I've, I've seen the list and I'm just like, I want to see all of these. Like, yeah. it's just like, that's the downside when you have to work there and you have to make sure that, you know, everything's running smooth, that there are no problems. The projectionists are fine. The machines aren't breaking because it's all on film. There's still that element. And it's, it's, it's exciting. Cause it's not, it, it's a little bit on the danger side. Cause you don't know what could happen where we could program all of those with DCPs lay all the things out. And then just hit play and then walk away. But, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, well, I could take the race car to work or I could take the school bus to work. Right. You know, we're both <laughs> going to get to the same place, but what's going to be more fun? Are you a big Exume Films fan, Alex? Still new to them? Uh, they they do Splatterfest, correct? No, no, no that's, that's us. us. That's, that's us. us. Oh, that's, that's you guys. Okay. I was under the impression I was part of Exume Films, so I've never... <laughs> So when we first launched the Splatterfest, we were teamed up with Harry. Um, the first two Splatterfests, we worked directly with him on the event, but there were that was our event. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what because that, that's what I was going to ask was, um, is there any updates on Splatterfest this summer? Oh, yeah, yeah, the Splatterfest. The tickets are live now, and you can actually get um, you can order your sandwich uh, for the evening. And we are going to do um, Conquest, um, Conquest, and then we're going to do Hang on, opera. I'm bringing it up. <laughs> I'm bringing it up. Conquest, Opera. Um, wow, I should really know this by heart. Wow, and I'm... when we're doing Opera and the print is Harry's, it's only in Italian. There's no subtitles, <laughs> so we have to manually subtitle it with a second projector and a manual clicker. Oh, uh, it's, it's actually so. It's not the not the dubbed English version. It's correct. The, yeah. Wow. So We're gonna uh, do... the film order is Conquest from Colchi, um, with that great trailer, Weapons of Light, uh, Opera, which is Argento, uh, Death Laid an Egg, uh, which is also titled Plucked, <laughs> <laughs> um, Manhattan Baby, which is another Fulci film and a wild one. And then our final movie, I'm so excited to show this to people and to get more eyeballs on this, is called Nothing Underneath. Okay. Which and, uh, I've heard of was numerous people. Numerous people have said, well, you got me at the poster for Nothing Underneath. Oh, well, I mean, yes, the poster's a sleazy Italian poster, but it is. the movie's really good. It is. I can't believe that in the history of this, we've done 55 of these films. It's just, it's insane. And we've done it 11 times. You can't say 11 years. It's like more like 12 years because we skipped yeah. a year for the pandemic, but it's still like, wow, we've done 55. I'm always, so some people uh, who aren't as big into the Italian side of horror 
uh, have said to us like, oh, I guess we'll have to do other nationalities. We're running out of Italian horror movies to show. And it's almost like, don't laugh in their face. Don't laugh right in their face. And it's like I'm still finding new horror Italian horror movies. And that was my jam. After Evil Dead 2 unlocked the door for me, like Italian horror was the thing I hunted for decades. So there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds yeah. of Italian horror movies to program. Just just join a just join a Facebook group of Italian horror and you'll see stuff you've never heard of. You're oh, like, yeah. what I, is I, that? I'm sure. I, I do I do love like the Italian horror classics, but uh, there's so many of them I haven't seen. I went to Splatterfest last year. I did not make it the whole show because um, up until recently, I've had like really bad sleep apnea. So like, <laughs> I, I like I, I I'll, if I sit sit too long anywhere, I'll start to doze off. But I was proud of myself. I saw demons and I saw. Was it City of the Living Dead that was before Demons, or was that? Uh, it was last year. Last year was Best of. It was Splatterfest 10, so it was probably, what was last year? Demons, Pieces, Burial Ground. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> it's tough on us, too. There's well, so if, if, if Pieces was on the lineup, I would have stayed for that, too. I would have. Um, okay, so last year was up. the Beyond, Demons, What Have You Done to Solange, Blood and Black Lace, and Deep Red. There okay. Yeah, yeah. I, may, I, I did get through the Beyond and Demons. I had to leave after Demons because I was just too tired. So but, uh, if you haven't, I don't have you seen the movie What Have You Done to Solange before? No, I have not. Okay, write that down. Please make that a priority. It's a masterpiece. It's so good. Okay, I've seen Deep Red, but I've that's a good one. Is is uh the one you just mentioned? Is that like a Giallo film? Yeah. It is. Yes, and it's um, it it has a reputation for being gorier than it actually is because it's so well done. Kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not really bloody, and but we all everyone thinks it is. I'm going to yeah. step aside and say as someone who has gone through the Splatterfest experience of it twice now, it's better to watch it when you're fully awake because you're going to appreciate it more. If you watch it like your third one in on the night and it's starting to get a little, you're starting to lean. It It's such a great film that you got to watch it when you're fully awake and can give you most attention. Like two monster zombie weirdo ones and then that. It's a weird break. It, I just, I feel as if it stands better. Watch it when you're awake. Might just, have been better we, as the first film. Yeah, um, we always try to. That's part of Splatterfest, which is weird because we've got to do the 35s kind of first. It's easier on the projectionists to get them out yeah. of the way, then they can just go because it's that element I talked about with the programming with DCPs. We can just have it all programmed, and it just goes. We can even put in how long the intermissions are, 15 minute gaps. Um, well, uh, Alex, don't watch the trailer for Solange. Just find it and watch it. Just yeah, watch it. Watch because it. it's it's an exceptional mystery, and I bet you will not figure out exactly what they did to Solange before they reveal it. Because it's yeah. good. <laughs> it's 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 really. I didn't appreciate it the first time I saw it. I really did like it this last time around that we we watched it, and I was. It, it's it's weird. There's times where I've we've seen we've either shown a movie three or four times. Once or twice, and and it was like Phantom of the Paradise, and I was like, everybody was asking for it, and I was like, yeah, let's let's do it again. We could we could finally do it again, and I was like, 
what was that movie I watched the first two times? Because this is amazing. Yeah. Am I just more awake this time? Well, every uh, time you cut, you watch a movie, you're bringing all of your collected experience. Yeah, and I was, that. they change over time. And I would easily put Phantom of the Paradise now in Pride Month. Like I would easily oh, do sure. that. We had that. so many people yeah. who uh, were from that community that were very like, "Wow, this is really good." Like this, just like I came for the Phantom of the Opera type thing. And this is very Faust and, and wow, like I did not expect this movie. And I'm like, yeah, neither did I. And I, I programmed it. And this was not what I was, ex you know, ex expecting. It's sort of like a, a rock opera type of thing, like Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? Yeah. It, in, it in came out ways. on the same day too, actually. Did it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure like people are like calling one, like a rip off of the other, but they nah, just happened to come, it, it, there come used out to be, the same there time. used to be um headbutting between the fan groups of those two films oh yeah like, um, Star Wars like, like, Star were, Trek. like yeah you like you can't like one of these you could only like the other <laughs> one and it's just like no that's cool bro i'm gonna watch whatever i want <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's like star trek and star wars fans i've never understood why there's a division between the two I, yeah. i'm in moods for one or i'm in moods for the Ex other <laughs> exactly like there are times i will cry for wrath of khan you know and then yep. there are other times where big, i just got star trek tears loving it yeah exactly and yeah. go watch return of the jedi right afterwards you know it's like it's all good <laughs> yeah i didn't understand that beef either because yeah. sometimes star trek sometimes you're in the mood for star trek you know yeah mm -hmm. Listen, I mean, sometimes I, I want to watch really competent people performing really competently. And other times <laughs> I want to watch space rogues laser blast dudes in bars. I don't see why this is a problem. <laughs> why are we talking about ice pirates, Chuck? Oh my god, I gotta rewatch Ice Pilots, uh, the pirates now. Uh. <laughs> Wait, is was Ice Pirates in 3D? Can we is, is this a thing we can have Harry show in 3D? I don't think it was. Uh, can we just show Ice Pirates? So what what is oh, Ice we, Pirates? Ice Pirates is with um, who was the not the Equalizer? Who was who was? Oh God, who was in Ice Pirates? That's really um, it. Bad. Hasn't been available on streaming for a long time, and then it just finally came back to it. Like for almost a decade, it wasn't available. Oh, so. Robert, Robert Urich, uh, and so Ron Perlman is in it. Yeah, Michael D. Roberts, John Carradine. There he is again. Yep. Um, John Matuszak, Houston. Um, it's it is not aged well. I I bought one at Blobfest once just because I hadn't seen it in forever. It is really not aged well. Oh, it's real. It's real <laughs> camp. You'd actually probably if you did a double feature with it and Barbarella, it would feel kind of natural. Yeah, that I could I could do that. I I could justify showing Ice Pirates if I showed it. People will come for Barbarella. Yeah, oh, I love Barbarella. That's that's a movie. I love actually. Sure that I mean, you do, if you wanted to stretch it into a triple feature, it's Barbarella and Ice Pirates and Star Crash. Just oh, wow. I know, uh, I know. But listen, there's a lot of good stuff like the miniature work and the stop motion is great. Oh, yeah, if we're gonna look at that, sure. And Carolyn Monroe is in the film. Hello, yes. yes. Is uh, is there any movies that you guys really wanted to get played at the theater, but you just couldn't make it happen? Um, there's always something that shows up that you're super excited. Ed Wood was one for years that we really wanted to do. Um, yeah, uh, I have wanted to show, I want to make sure I say it right. It's a Japanese film, uh, called, uh, Matango, which is basically, uh, like attack of the mushroom people. Um, it's a 1963 horror film. 
Um, I have wanted to show this forever. It was on my original list of uh, Fright Night films, but uh, it's very expensive. Uh, it's a Toho movie. People who own the rights to Godzilla and stuff, so it's very expensive. So um, it's it's basically Gilligan's Island and the Twilight Zone before there was ever a Twilight Zone type of movie where people crash land on an island um, and then like we're kind of running out of food and then they eat the mushrooms and then some of them start turning into mushrooms and it's oh, geez. <laughs> really bizarre and it's all told in like one giant flashback but it's such a weird crazy fun scary movie it's been on my list but it's it's been very expensive hellraiser 2 um uh, was a movie that I really, really, really wanted to show. And thankfully, Exhumed came and said, we, we've we got the rights to it. We're going to do it. Uh, we'd love to do it at the theater. And I was like, yes, finally, <laughs> Hellraiser 2 with Rawhide Rex as a double feature. And I was I've, like, I've always wanted to uh, to show this stuff. But Larry Cohen's uh, Larry Cohen, when he was alive, always way overcharged for stuff. Um, and I'm presuming his estate's continuing that practice. I don't know for sure. Well, we can always look Hopefully into it. And that, that, that's the thing, Alex. The business changes so often that you could start off with your, your dream list and then you're like, nope, 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 nope. Like, you know, uh, Children of the Corn, Hellraiser 2, um, and then uh, what's the other super expensive one? Uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yeah. There's three that I really wanted to show. And they were very, you wouldn't think, but they were very, very expensive. Like just the rights alone. No, no film print, no Blu-ray, no nothing. Just the rights were very expensive. And then it's, you um, go. It's super interesting, right? Because it changes. Uh, and all of a sudden yeah. it's a new rights owner or they have a, um, a, a 4K master re-release that they want to do. And all of a sudden it becomes very affordable. Because they want to get the word out, they want to, or a new rights holder is more. They interested. want you to buy the Blu-ray that just came out. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I forever, forever, I wanted to do Miami Connection. Um, yeah. I had seen it really early on when Rift Tracks did it, or when it just, or when, when um, no, I got a, I got a. That was when I was reviewing movies uh, for Mania, um, and I got a review copy from Draft House Films when they had found it and released it, 2012 maybe, 2013. And I loved it. And I it, I couldn't convince the theater's uh, programmer at the time to show it, no matter how hard I tried. And then uh, eventually we set it up. It was going to be our in our late March 2020 show. We had a poster <laughs> done. Oh, uh, we God, had been showing the trailer for months and people were so amped. We had a sponsor, Root Down sponsored, because he loves the owner of Root Down, loves martial arts movies. And uh, and of course, you know what happened in March of 2020. Yep. And that um, we had to, we did show it. We pushed the show to, was it 21 or 22? We did show it. I think it was, it was, either I, I remember, or... I think it was 22. I think I remember yeah. when I saw the, the ads for it. Yeah. It's just it... such a, it's so fun. Like it's a dumb movie and it's not that well made, but the, the soundtrack and the songs are great. And like the, the plot line is ridiculous and everybody has a great time. I just, I'm there for it. And, and we've gotten from somebody, uh, Rob Humanak, who's a projectionist, he said, that's a different version than I've seen. And we were like, what? And well, like, the most <laughs> recent version that came out from Vinegar Syndrome has three yeah, different th versions. Three different oh, yeah. versions. It's also titled Escape from Miami. Yeah. A friend of mine <laughs> who lived in LA, he was going like, we were comparing notes and we were like, no, no, no. And it was just like, what? So yeah, we, we pieced it so, together then. Um, 
uh, you've probably seen the version where um, they get to the hospital and the dude's dad lives. <laughs> but that's not the Escape from Miami version. It, it ends on a way darker note. Yeah. A, a, way, a badly acted way darker note. <laughs> so to, an to answer your question, Alex, there's always movies that we want to show, that we've tried to show, and we've crossed a lot of those off the list. I never thought that I would ever be allowed to show Star Wars. Ever. And then all of a sudden, I saw two different theaters in the country were showing Star Wars because of emails I get and other theaters that I follow on Facebook. So I contacted the proper people and they're like, yeah, it's news to us too. You can show Star Wars now, but you have all these rules. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, what are the rules? I'm like, oh my God. And you look at the rules and you're like, okay, I can play by every one of those if that means I get to show Star Wars. So we had... 400 people show up on a Sunday in August at four o'clock to watch Star Wars and your ages, races, everybody was there. And it was the cinematic experience you would hope it be. They laughed, they cried, they cheered. We're doing Empire this the end of this summer. And I, I keep just I said, we'll just keep doing it. Now, the interesting thing is, and this is this is the age difference, is that after that first Star Wars show, the millennials came up and said, you're going to do Phantom Menace, right? Oh, and no. it was such as so you said, oh, no, really quick. But <laughs> it's one of those things where as someone who programs films, you have to be mindful and aware that there is an audience that wants to see that other movie. You can't just I've, program I've come to the reckoning that. Um, so the thing that, ha that has happened is the original three Star Wars movies were well-made films. The prequels were not, but these people grew up with them. And so they love them, which is valid. It's valid that they love them. Right. But the, the problem is millennials are demanding and they're insisting that they're good films. That's different than saying, I like yeah. these films. Yeah. So I want you to eventually program them because when we do the introduction, I'm going to be like, I'm so glad that you all love this film. It's not a well-made film. So it's great that you found love for it anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw I saw the Phantom Menace in the theater when I was 13 years old. So and then after the movie, I was I was like really high off of it. I was like, this movie was incredible. It was great. I loved it. It was so good. Then I calmed down and then I realized that this actually isn't a good movie. But it took me years later to realize that. Yeah. I I think I was by the fourth time I saw it in the theater <clears throat> and I could not convince myself that it was good. I'm like, no. There's something really wrong here. You but, guys are really not here for galactic politics? Cause... No. <laughs> I'm a fan of the Clone Wars, the cartoon series, you know, so I did get that in the long run. But we hope to do one a summer. We could do all of the movies. We could do all 11. Oh, no. Oh, you you do all extra. 11. You do all 11 in a row, one a week. But what fun is that? Like, what fun is, like, the anticipation of it's going to be at the end of the summer. It's our last big summer movie. Um, our last summer classic is a sci-fi film, which is something we didn't really do much of with the previous programmer uh, before me. She didn't really do a lot of sci-fi movies outside of Blobfest. And I'm like, but, you know, we, we did Star Trek four for, for Earth Day, you know, with the whales. And you're like, this is the ideal movie that this movie saved the humpback whales. Why would you not show it at, you know, during Earth Month, you know, so little things like that. Um, yeah, you know, and there's a big audience for science fiction that people want to see oh, yeah. experience those films more than just 2001. You know, we used to do that as a classic, and we've had a lot of people ask for 2001 again. And they're millennials, which is they come up to me and say, Can you show 2001? I want to see it big, 
And I'm that's like, fair. I feel like that's and fair. And you're just like, you're kind of blown away by that. You don't expect them for somebody who sits there and watches movies on their phone to want to sit down and actually watch 2001 the way you're supposed to see you're it. Talking you about the, a great dichotomy, though, right? Because that comes in waves. That's the that's what we're seeing now with the young folks who really are everybody's into records. That's like yeah. they had they had complete access to every single song ever digitally instantly, but they want the ritual of putting on a side and flipping a record yeah. it's or, or reading of like the, we, we deal with the bookstore across the street reads and company. Um, they have a huge high school crowd that comes in every day. That's amazing. There, Kids want physical books again. There's just something special about physical media. I'm, I'm the same way. I just like, like I'm big into, I'm big into Blu-rays. Uh, I just like putting on some a movie and you know just like looking at the back of the cover, you know. And I'm a yeah, like I'm big into like I used to be a huge vinyl collector. For a while, I had a big uh, VHS collection, but I can't really watch any right now because like I don't have like a VCR. That works. Uh, I really am careful with my VCR. I push the tape in very gently. I push the buttons. Oh just yeah. Oof. Keep working. Long, long time video store clerk. I I worked in a mall, and my VHS collection was enormous because when it was like, you know, half off our previously viewed tapes, and you knew that it maybe only got watched once, and you're like, yeah, this is in good shape. Had all of those tapes. I had promo copies of stuff that would say like property of Walt Disney at the bottom, you know, that we were supposed to destroy that we didn't all that kind of stuff. I had so much of that stuff. I missed, I missed the box. I've actually gotten rid of the tapes and just kept the boxes. Now people are making art out of the boxes, the, the, yeah. the cassette itself with neon yeah. lights and stuff. <laughs> like, wow, I wish I would have kept three musketeers. <laughs> when I, when I met um, Danny Trejo and um, Robert Rodriguez, I brought my copy of my VHS tape copy of Desperado for them to sign. Nice. Um, was he surprised for... to see you with a VHS? Well, like... so Robert Rodriguez was like, immediately we were talking about Desperado instead of the movie we we're there to talk about because he was like, I cut this trailer together myself, like to sell the movie as a sizzle reel. And you can tell that trailer kicks ass. Yeah. Um, so, and Danny Trejo was shorter than me, which is ridiculous. Oh, wow. Um, wow. <laughs> I didn't know he was short. Oh shit, Danny Trejo's like hey, five four, maybe he five. He looks three. big. Yeah. Sorry Dude, to bust that bubble, but you know, movie magic. Yeah, yeah. So all right, fellas. I apologize, but I'm uh getting long in the tooth here. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh well, yeah. It's about time to wrap it up. So I, I do appreciate you guys coming on. I had a blast talking to you guys. It really was a good time. Uh beats just sitting around watching tv <laughs> yeah on a thursday on a thursday night i really appreciate it and this is uh you know my last chance to do this for a while is there is there anything you guys want to promote before you guys get out of here well we have i mean we are kicking off uh our crazy time at the colonial so um the first the first week of of july we will have um jaws on 35 millimeter we're going to be doing the great escape um and then Which we have Steve mcqueen film to lead into blob fest right yeah sorry i should have mentioned that part um <laughs> and then we do have two weeks of repertory films we're going to be doing independence day um to catch a thief uh clue clue yeah 
Um, nice. we're, and then we're we're gonna follow it up with we're gonna have killer clowns from outer space. It's kind of awesome. our horror movie before. So and, and when you watch Killer Clowns, we come out and watch Killer Clowns, and the first two thirds of the film is the same plot as the Blob. Yeah, the original yeah. The Blob. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's like so perfect. It's gonna be cool. And then we're gonna have um, we're gonna have uh, Ghostbusters, Bridesmaids, and uh, Legally Blonde. As repertory films, they're going to run throughout the weekend. Uh, throughout the throughout the weekend, then we'll do Grease right before, for all the reasons you mentioned. Like we have Grease has the scene from the Blob in it. We're going to have that up on the big screen. That's kind of like our kickoff to Blob Fest. And then we'll do Blob Fest, which is Bride of Frankenstein, The Wolfman, and uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, along with the Blob Fifty Eight, the Blob Eighty Eight for the first time ever at Blob Fest. That has taken Chuck and I a very long time to get to. To the point where I'm like, you know, uh, our our uh, our event coordinator uh, Drew Boardman came up with blobs and monsters, and he's like, well, I guess we're going to show the '88 blob because we need a good blob movie, and we have two, so we have '58 and '88. There's three blob movies. Two of them are good. Yeah, <laughs> so we're like, those. that's the one we're going to do, and I'm like, yes, finally. <laughs> yeah, that's um, but we're going to wrap up the month with uh, Noir City. Um, with Eddie Mueller from Turner Classic Movies is coming in and we're doing 10 uh, noir films um, that uh, he picked <laughs> and it's going to be, you know, he's going to introduce the movies like he would on Turner Classic Movies and talk about them. And you can do double features or single tickets. And then we're going to have Barbie and Oppenheimer in the same weekend. So it's going to be a fun, uh, crazy wrap up. Then we're going to end the month with Ed Wood and 10 things I hate about you. So uh, it's a crazy month in July. If you want a good taste of what the colonial can offer, um, it, it's July. I mean, it, it's really going to be a lot of fun. Our August is really cool, but July, it's just insanity. You're going to um, need a vacation from all of the fun. <laughs> I'm literally after, after North city is over, I am going on, like I am leaving the area for like three straight days and then I'm coming back so that I can do Ed Wood on Sunday. Cause I am dying to see Ed Wood in the theater. Like Which I never got to wear the Angora sweater though. Um, <laughs> no, no. I hope somebody shows up wearing the Angora sweater. <laughs> I, it could Our be great, man. Our, so uh, we did a, a early premiere screening of Cocaine Bear, <laughs> and somebody showed up to this movie they had never seen before in a bear suit covered in powder. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And we've we've really encouraged that, and it's it's starting to come along. We have a couple patrons that dress up for almost every movie and they tell us oh we're gonna come as this we're gonna come as that and you're like this is just a random friday night no this, this is, is good stuff bob this is life oh no but i'm saying that's what's cool about it is that they come in they're like thinking ahead like well i'm gonna do this and i've got this outfit and i'm gonna do this outfit and you're like awesome just bring it because it's it makes it so much more fun for us that people are as excited as we are um yeah. to see the movies that's why jaws is Jaws is that one where the normies can kind of get in and have a lot of fun at the same time because it's Jaws. You know what I mean? It has that mystique to it. It's Jaws. You know, that's Jaws is really going to be a lot of fun and a great kickoff to the entire month. Yeah. So we've got awesome. a lot of stuff coming up. We mentioned a lot of it already. Splatterfest, you know, and our October is crazy. Almost all the movies for October are up on our website, thecolonialtheater.com. So you can check them out. Just go into films and just scroll. 
And uh, there's a couple things that are not on there yet because we don't have them officially locked. But there's at least two more movies that are going to be added to our three more. Sorry, three more movies that are going to be added to October that are not officially on the list. I yet. just sleep there in the basement all of October. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to mention that Bob didn't mention. He's got it all covered. I'm just happy right. to have had the chance to chat with y'all. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, thank all you. All right, guys. For having us. Yeah, thank you. See you at the movies. All right, guys. See you at the show. Definitely. All right. That was Chuck and Bob from the Historical Colonial Theater. That was great talking to them. I learned a lot. They told me a lot of things I had absolutely no knowledge about. So it was pretty educational. And hopefully, hopefully you guys learned something from this conversation as well. Colonial has a lot of great things coming up for the summer, including Jaws on 35mm, which is on July 1st, Blobfest, which is July 14th to the 16th, and Splatterfest, which is on Saturday, August 19th, and tickets are available for that as well. I hope everyone is able to make it down to Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, and check out the theater. The theater is worth a visit on its own not to mention the area itself is beautiful we got the valley forge park nearby there's a lot of cool things in the area but colonial theater is the staple of phoenixville pennsylvania as far as i'm concerned well guys thanks for listening and be good see you soon see you at the movies and see you at Blob Fest. And leaps and glides and slides across the floor. Right through.